Welcome to the First Time Podcast. I'm your host, Tad. If this is your first time listening to First Time, it's really, really simple. Either me, the guest, or both of us are experiencing something for the first time, and we're going to talk about it. As usual, this one is a movie, no surprise. Uh, my guest today is the host of The Hold Up with Stephen Stoll. He is the director of the Sick and Wrong Film Festival. Welcome to the show, Stephen Stoll. Thank you very much. Nice to, uh, I guess, I guess I should say nice to meet you, right? This is the first time we've been, we've ever talked. Right. I mean, outside of, you know, the interwebs, we, we uh, right. chat back and forth. And I was thinking about this earlier. I'm like, of course, you know, film festival directors sort of uh, end up somehow following each other on the internet in general, because <laughs> yeah. we, we like to vent and complain to each other. Um, but I was like, you know, how, originally, I think the connection was that we had like several films sort of overlapping. I think you ended up following our page or vice versa on Instagram. Yeah. And I was like, checking out your festival, Mike this guy's living a dream because <laughs> I, I took over, I didn't create snake alley festival mm -hmm. film. Um, I, and if you're listening to this, uh, for, and, and you know, Steven, um, I'll sort of introduce myself. I, I am a director of a film festival called the snake alley festival film in, uh, Burlington, Iowa, Southeast Iowa. And, uh, we're on our next year will be our 10th year, but wow. I've been doing it for, I think six of those. And, um, I took over for the founder of the festival who, um, rightfully so was like this is a mad madman's job like this is for yes. crazy people and i can't do it um and he's like would you like to take over i'm like i'm crazy person i'll take it um and and slowly i've been sort of morphing it into what i love about it and but you know i, I sort of get jealous with my friends who run horror festivals and genre festivals because mm -hmm. um that's what i know and love and we usually have one block of our, you know, 13 or 15 blocks, short film blocks yeah. of our festival that focus on the weird and, and crazy films. And, and funny enough, when I took over, I, I did this as sort of a um, warning to the crowd, like, hey, just a heads up, <laughs> these movies in this block are going to be crazy. I didn't intend for it to be like a promotion, like people saw that and were excited. And I'm like, no, it's a yeah. warning, not not a, an <laughs> invite, but my friends are sick and twisted. So um, that's it's funny because I have people who just come to that block. And I'm like, you know, I, I've always debated on like October or sometime in the fall, like maybe I should just do like, you know, a, a small like one night yeah. thing of just all these things, because like I said, I sit back and I, I see your programming and my friends at Halloween of Palooza um, mm. and, and they are, you know, all horror. And I'm like, I sort of get jealous. You know, I, I love the dramas and stuff, but it's like yeah. I, I love seeing the, the crazy shit. And I my my favorite thing is getting a reaction out of the crowd. And there's yeah nothing like that. So, um, well, I guess first we will just touch a little <laughs> bit on your, your podcast to hold up. Um, we were just talking before we hit record a little bit about that. You said you've been going mm. for probably what a little over a year. Yeah, I guess I started, um, geez, I, I should know this. I feel like I should know this. But yeah, I started toward the end of um, 2019, sometime in the second half of 2019. And at first I was going really hard. Like uh, I was trying to crank out an episode a week um, and I was doing it. You know, it's, a, it's all a very learning experience, just like everything I've done that I enjoy doing. I had no idea what I was doing when I started and I probably still don't know what I'm doing. But what I was doing, so the premise of the Hold Up Real Fast is that, like, uh, I invite a guest on and we re-examine a movie that they remembered loving when they were young, or at least, you know, a long time ago, but then haven't seen for 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. And there were, we, I always had it planned from the beginning that there would be two conversations. One, we would talk about what they remember, and then we'd watch the movie, and then we'd talk about uh, after the rewatch, we'd have another conversation. And so... 
I was pumping out these episodes where, you know, I would have both conversations recorded and I'd put them together in one podcast and release it and it'd be like five hours long right you know? yeah <laughs> and so people kept telling me they're like oh man I, I i like i like the idea of your podcast but it's just too long and i'm like you can pause it right but but i guess people don't like to do that well they see that runtime and it's a little intimidating like right, right. When, when i when i joined attack of the killer podcast they were doing um five movies uh, an episode and oh, wow. all their segments and i'm like guys we got to cut this down like <laughs> yeah. no, you know no sane person's listening to a four-hour horror podcast and luckily we, we've cut it to three and we've really slimmed it down but uh, i i just love the concept of your show and and you like you you split it into two episodes now yeah 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 and i had to slow it down a little bit uh so instead of doing cranking out one entire movie meaning both conversations in one week i now do uh, each conversation in one week. Although I confess that I've, man, festival season is upon me. And so the last couple of weeks I have not put out an episode and I decided to just bite the bullet and go on hiatus for a little while while I get my, my head around sick and wrong and get everything rolling on that. No, I completely understand because you're like the fourth episode after I took a, a month off. I was, mm-hmm. I was, of course I was like, Oh, fe- film festival's coming up. Uh, I'm going to take like the two weeks off and then right when the festival ends, I'm jumping right back into it. And mm-hmm. people don't think about, um, when you're, we have a podcast, you got to schedule people out. You got to, oh, yeah. you know, and you want to get a little bit of a backlog. So it was like, mm-hmm. uh, especially when, when you, when, after you finish something like a festival, the last thing you want to do oh, is jump back into so, work. Yeah. yeah exactly. you just It's like, yeah. you just want to turn into a fucking, you know, couch <laughs> potato for a month. But, uh, you know, a, a lot of people were sort of like, of course. There, I mean, everybody had a podcaster in quarantine. How many survived? Not a whole lot. <laughs> right. So I, I felt like I had to come back just to prove people wrong. Like I'm not, I'm not giving up. I'm going to, I'm going to come back, but um, I'm still here. Yeah, no, I love the idea that, I mean, you're a genius because it's always like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I just, I committed to doing one in a week and I'm like, you know, still sort of kicking myself. I'm like, mm. would people hate me if I did every other week? Because man, <laughs> pe- then like, once again, I think, people underestimate how much work a podcast is like i i started this um at the beginning sort of of quarantine because it was like the the theater i volunteer at is closed down i wasn't going to do a film festival i I had a spare five minutes a a week now it's like oh shit you know (laughs) and and you completely understand because you're one of those maniacs that just can't sit still i mean right right i could take this extra time in my week and just like contemplate my life or read a book or something but right yeah nope yeah see (laughs) see family and friends yeah exactly (laughs) and it's like a weird thing i've had i've noticed this um sort of pattern on this show and i i didn't notice it until i started inviting guests on and i'm like there's like a breed of person man and it's like yeah you know and and people i don't think from the outside like i I have friends who like they they work and they hang out and they sleep and it's like they don't have hobbies i mean outside of it's like they listen to the radio and i'm like i'm in such control of like everything like i would never dream of listening to radio i have a playlist for every fucking drive and move (laughs) and it's like you know and there's just another breed of person who it's like you know, I got to do this film fest. I got to program this. I got to yeah. do this. I have a podcast and it's like, you know, it's, it's, we're insane. And I, it's nice yeah. to know other people are like that. <laughs> I think that's why, uh, I have so many, uh, I, I guess, you know, the word friend is now weird. Uh, has been for at least a decade, but like I have, I have a lot of friends, uh, I've met on online 
specifically because we run festivals and things like that because like nobody else it's just like anything i'm sure like if i were a dental hygienist i'd probably have a lot of dental hygienist friends because nobody else is going to know what they go through you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and so like film fest runners and podcast runners i I think end up kind of gravitating toward each other because then they can complain to each other and don't just get (laughs) blank stares in return you know (laughs) yeah it's it's funny when like you're in public and you mention like um especially podcasting and, and it's probably not as cool anymore but i remember when like like someone would bring up like when you meet like a, a new person and you're in a group of friends and like he and he has a podcast i'm like don't bring that <laughs> up don't say that yeah <laughs> and, and, and then but the funny thing is people are like oh man really i'm like yeah there's probably fucking 12 people in this room that have a podcast uh, to, <laughs> right. to, it's not that cool like any you can have one if you want it um Seriously, i don't recommend yeah. it but uh <laughs> You know, yeah, there's so many free tools right now. Like if you have a, a podcast, if you have an idea for a podcast, you can make it happen. It's kind of like it's weird how it's sort of I, I'm just probably saying this out of my ass. But as I'm saying it out loud, it, it's weird how it's kind of like filmmaking where the tools are now so omnipresent. They're so mm-hmm. available to everybody that if you have uh, an idea for something, you can make it. The question is, is it interesting enough for anyone to like pay attention to it you know <laughs> right and i and i definitely saw that you know when you were saying that i'm like i know where he's going with this because i think yeah. the same thing and there's good and bad about it because yeah. i i know you as a festival director i mean you see the same thing it's like oh people come to our festival and they're like inspired which is fantastic that's what it's there mm-hmm. for and they're like man i want to make a movie and they don't quite understand, you know, they see this like French art film and they're like, oh, this is, you know, this was shot with almost nothing. It's like, well, yeah. it, it takes talent too. like, it's not just yeah. the you can buy all the equipment in the world. You have to have talent too and put yeah, in the work. A, there's a, a, a big tweet going around right now and I don't know who posted it, but uh, the, the person who said it was saying, listen, Bo Burnham just released his new movie that he shot on his camera that's under four thousand dollars you don't have any excuse anymore and like that whole it's it's so infuriating to me Uh, how many years of yeah him doing the stand-up circuit jesus right right i mean and like bo burnham is not some random dude he has talent and he's been proving his talent for a really long time it wasn't like oh, he had a cheap camera and now he can make a movie. And I think a lot of people think that. It's like, okay, I have this phone now that will shoot in 4K. So because I have this, now I can make a movie. And it's like, yeah, you literally can make a movie. But do you have something to say? Do you have any kind of talent? Do you have any anything interesting to do? Or are you just going to... I, I swear, I don't know if you ever think this while you're watching subs. And I, I guess I should stay off the film best stuff. But <laughs> sometimes I'm watching submissions and... I think, has this person making this movie ever been to a film festival? Yeah. Do they know what movies are? I swear to God, I have complained. All right, all right. This is my last gripe. (laughs) There was a guy, uh, and I guess I should name him one of these days. I'm not going to do it yet, but there was a dude who submitted to my festival this year, and he created a category in my judging uh, I created a new category just for him um, <laughs> for movies that I am insulted by that like people would submit because all it was was um, he apparently in his cover letter, he told me that I can't believe I'm, I'm telling this stupid story. Anyway, <laughs> in his cover letter, he told me that he had a bloody bowel movement. And so he grabbed his camera and he pointed his camera down at the toilet and started running it and then flushed it and then set it to a, a Buzzcock song called Oh Shit. 
and submitted that, paid his money and submitted that to the festival. And I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> like, this is not a movie. Why would you even do this to somebody? I don't know. Maybe he just got a kick off of like making somebody watch his poop, you know? Yeah, I mean, everybody has their thing. But, I mean, <laughs> technically, I mean, it's called sick and wrong, and that's both. Uh, uh, but I, uh, See, this is the thing. Okay, so I, I I, have been kicking myself. I've been doing sick and wrong for six years now. And uh, I have constantly, constantly struggled with the naming of it, you know, because I don't know how... Uh, one. Okay, so the first thing that happens is that most people think it's a horror festival. And I, I want to make it clear that I have nothing against horror. We play horror movies every year at Sick and Wrong, but that's not the focus of the festival. The focus of the festival is just on movies that are weird you know yeah, I, I get that because like our uh, the, the adults only block I, because mm-hmm. I, I didn't want to call ours the midnight block everyone calls it yeah, the midnight yeah. block and it's not at midnight yeah. but um people call it the horror block and i'm like guys this is like 90 percent comedy really yeah, um, a lot yeah. of it and there's comedy there's animated films uh, most mm-hmm. of them aren't horror but people associate like if it's if it's fucked up as horror it's like no it's there's got, yeah if i guess if it gets that reaction out of you that you could consider it that but um yeah, I think it's just kind of like um, a, a lack of a lack of vocabulary, maybe, uh, because I, I've noticed myself that the movies that I make, which I don't really I mean, I've made a couple of things that were very clearly horror, but the movies that I make always end up at these horror festivals. And it always kind of kind of grinds my gears a little bit. Like, I'm very happy for the festivals that play my movies. But at the same time, I'm thinking, I, I, I never thought this was a horror movie. This isn't something it's just some it's just it's just different, you know, it's just mm-hmm. not like all these other things. And so people who don't, you know, uh, have, um, a wide, Oh, there is my cat. Shut up, cat. Please go away. <laughs> uh, people don't have a wide experience for these kind of, uh, outsider kind of movies. Don't really know what you mean when you say weird. I've noticed for instance, okay. When I say the phrase weird movie, all right. If you have never seen, Eraserhead, mm-hmm. right? Or if you've never seen Pink Flamingos, or you've never seen even Sorry to Bother You, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I say weird movie, you might think weird movie. What? Okay, so like The Matrix, that was pretty weird, you know? Yeah, yeah. People's scale is very, very completely different. <laughs> exactly. And so the first time, and so I get, I get, I get a lot of submissions where I can tell that the person making this uh, has never seen movies like that, you know, because they they they're making a movie and it's a fine movie. It's just not. It's not uh, transgressive at all. It's not really on the edges of anything. And I think the first time that you watch one of those movies, it changes everything. And it, it, and it did for me. I say this out of experience because it, it really did for me. Uh, I, there's a festival here in Orlando that I'm a, I'm a huge admirer of, and I go to it every year. It's called the uh, Florida Film Festival. It's a, it's a pretty big festival, and they have this great program and um it's all you know their their focus is on like independent movies and like uh upcoming gems and they have a lot of great movies but the first year that i volunteered at the festival was the first year that i saw a midnight movie i went to their midnight shorts block and Mm -hmm. it like my brain melted i'd never seen anything like that before in my life and suddenly even though i had gone to film school a lot of years before and i knew i wanted to make a movie i i never really knew what kind of movie I wanted to make and the first time I saw this midnight shorts block uh my whole life changed and then that's when I started making short films uh and that's when you know a year or two after that I decided you know I love these movies so much 
that I want a whole festival directed to them, you yeah. know, and there wasn't one in my area. And that's how I created the, the, the sick and wrong film festival. But it's, like I said, it's very poorly named and I, I struggle every year with renaming it and losing all of the, the work I've done on branding or just keeping the name and dealing with the, the constant stream of horror submissions coming in, you know? No, I, I get it. And you know, I, I love the name for the record. Um, <laughs> it, it drew me in, you know? Um, and of course your, your, uh, you know, graphics, like you said, your branding with like a unicorn and all that shit. <laughs> I fucking love it. Um, but I, I definitely changed my view too. Like just in yeah. general, I remember the festival I run now going the first year, um, because I was very curious. I went and, what struck me was I went into the the theater that we have in our town, the Capitol Theater. It's a beautiful mm. Art Deco theater, um, and it had just been. Re- it was like this is like the first event after it had been restored and it hadn't yeah. even in, been in the theater. So I sort of go in like, "Am I supposed to be here?" And I remember <laughs> thinking, "I don't know a single person in this room," and that's really weird um, because I live in a tiny little town in Iowa, yeah, yeah. and I'm like looking around and I'm like is this for just filmmakers? And I, they somehow accidentally let me in, but I, they, they sold me a ticket. So I sat and I'm like, I, I, you know, I understood like in in my mind, I'm like short films are just basically like what clips you see on YouTube, you know, like Mm -hmm. that people like homemade movies. And and I assumed it was just going to be people from Iowa. And that one block changed everything for me. I, I watched it and I'm like, holy fuck, my mind's blown. So I literally stepped out during like intermission between two blocks. I text my wife and I'm like, you should come down and check this out. This is crazy. And I called my friend Noah and he came down and like we sat there and I, I think like the, the second block we watched has had this like story about this this woman who who was taking care of her husband who had Alzheimer's and it was like mm-hmm. really sad. And then like, she wheeled him out into the into the uh like driveway and poured gasoline on him and lit him on fire oh, while he was alive and i was like this is fucking awesome like <laughs> like that i'd never seen anything like yeah. that you know yeah. and i was like i and i was sad because i i went on like the last day and i was like i really regret not going sooner so of course the next year i was like i was there and the the director was like you know hey you didn't make a film what do you do in here and it was like <laughs> i really am just a fan so then you know he was like well hey would you want to volunteer selling t-shirts and then he's like hey you should be a judge hey you want to help organize judges third nice. year it was like you know i was basically like assistant director and by the fourth year he's like i this is too much for me do you want do you want this <laughs> festival and i'm like absolutely and you know that's that's sort of how it happened but the same thing is like you know i saw these some of these crazy mind-blowing movies and i'm yeah. like and i and, and the thing is just like you said, you know, you track some of those films. It's like, I, I accepted some of these uh, crazy midnight shorts and you get a reputation. It's like, oh shit, this film festival will take that, that weird shit. Like, and so it starts rolling in, which I loved, you know, yeah, it's like, yeah. I, I give me that reputation. I want the weirdest shit you got. You know, I don't, I don't need a guy sending his bloody shit to me, but um, <laughs> right, I haven't reached that, that. I haven't reached that level yet. Um, <laughs> but uh, it, it's sort of cool. Like, you know, every year I get, you know, emails and like, Hey man, like when are you going to open for submissions? That's, I look forward to like, you know, seeing that stuff more so yeah, than, yeah. and, and I think I always have this motto. Like when people ask me about the, the film festival, I'm like, just come down for one yeah, block, just come, just come yeah. to one block. And I guarantee you're going to find something in that block mm-hmm. that of value to you that you will enjoy. And I feel like once you get them in for one and they understand what it's about, if they truly yeah. like film, they're going to, they're going to be hooked. And it's just mm-hmm. a matter of getting people down to your theater to see it. And, you know, we, we were very lucky this year in that we like snuck in that weird little like two month window where things were looking optimistic, where it was oh, yeah. like, 
oh, everyone's getting the vaccine and things are slowly getting back to normal. And we snuck in. And then like soon as our festival ended, it was like Delta's here. Everything's back to shit again. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we had we, we snuck in our in-person festival. We still, you know, did all the precautions and we were terrified the entire time. But um, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, this this has really changed the game with festivals in general. And, and I don't want to go down that whole COVID road because it's sad. And, and yeah, you know, people, it's a bummer. it is a bummer. But um, I do have like you know a million questions about sick and wrong um yeah so you've been doing it for six years now yeah in orlando yeah and you have a um in addition to the 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 regular sick and wrong festival you also have the 72 hour debacle that you started last year right this is the second one yeah so last year was the first time we uh, ever did the debacle i was just uh kind of stir crazy and had this dumb idea and like people responded to it really well and it was just a ton of fun so I've decided to do it again this year and kind of try to sync it up with the festival proper instead of um, spreading things out over the course of the year a little but yeah uh, I'm man it was so much fun I don't know if you've ever done um, one of those 48 hour film projects Um, I think there's a there's a there's a big one that's kind of global. They have different like I don't know. They break it up into different cities, and then the the movies that win at the cities get to move on to the regionals or whatever that yep, is. I don't, yep. yeah. There's one in Des Moines, Iowa, which is mm-hmm. like um, our biggest city here in Iowa, and a lot of the a lot of my listeners and guests have ha- are are doing them, or they yeah. just had their screenings like a few like a month ago. So yeah, yeah, and they seem like a fun idea, except I have a lot of gripes with the some of the technicality of them um because i i've worked with people who or I've, I've known a lot of people who did 48s and i had some friends who asked me to act in their 48 one time it was the mm-hmm. first time i ever acted in a movie and one of the things that kept haunting me about the 48 one of the reasons i never really wanted to jump in is that even though i know a bunch of people who do it every year and and they're really kind of gung-ho about doing it they're never really happy with their memory of doing it yeah it's, it's stressful and oh, it is yeah. super stressful yeah so that was one of the things that bugged me and so um i when i decided to do this uh i just like the festival with with the sick and wrong film festival my first goal from the very beginning was always to make it a festival where the filmmakers would want to be there you know mm-hmm and uh, that was also my my first principle with the debacle was that I wanted it to be something that everybody had fun doing. So the f- very first thing I did was stretch it out to 72 hours. And I think that makes actually a really big difference, uh, be- the difference between 24 and 78. Uh, no, 48 and 72. Jeez. <laughs> uh, just the extra day gives a lot of extra breathing room. And then you're not like really trying to kill yourself and staying up for 40 hours straight uh, right. to get the movie done. The second thing, uh, you know, I, I've known friends who like, I, you know, I have friends who are, uh, primarily horror filmmakers and then they go into the 48 and they get assigned romantic comedy or something like that. Right. Uh, and I, and, and then they're, what else? Uh, if you've been to the 48, you know, it's like, there's this prop you have to use mm-hmm. and here's this line of dialogue you have to use. And I know people whose 48 hour movies were disqualified because they got, one of the words in the line of dialogue wrong or something like that. Yeah, that's ridiculous. It's such a bummer, you know? So I didn't want to do any of that. I So with the with the debacle, all I give people is a mood and then a plot element. And they can do whatever genre they want. Uh, they can 
make it as long as they want. And that's been a weird point of contention. (laughs) (laughs) Like people keep asking me, you know, what's the, what's the um, time limit? And I'm like, there's no time limit. They're like, no, no, you have to give me a time limit. And I'm like, no, if you want to make a feature, go for it. Right. If you want to make a feature in 72 (laughs) hours and you think it's going to be good enough. Yeah. Go right ahead. (laughs) Yeah. I want to see that. Yeah. I'd like to see that. So I, I I know a couple of folks who have uh, taken on the mantle this year. They're, they've, they're determined. They're actually like, assembling teams because they really want to shoot a feature in in 72 hours and i'm like you guys are insane yeah but i'd love to see it if you get it (laughs) for sure so um sick and wrong you have uh the deadline the the regular deadlines approaching and your late deadline is on halloween Um, when is the actual festival the actual festival uh will be from december 10th uh which is a friday just that weekend 10th 11th and 12th friday saturday sunday and that will be um, here in Orlando, it's going to be a live festival, uh, unless, I mean, okay, I need to put an asterisk on that, right? As long as it is within my power, uh, it will be a live festival. Okay. As long as, you know, it, it, it doesn't require me to put people in danger. I should point out though, without getting too explicitly political that my, my governor down here in Florida has made it illegal for businesses to require proof of vaccination. Oh Yeah. So I'm kind of keeping an eye on the courts to see how that turns out before December comes to uh, know what I can do to try to keep people safe. And, you know, maybe it's just going to be a whole weekend of outdoor movies in my backyard or something, if that's the only thing that can make it feel safe to me. Yeah, luckily, uh, you're in a in a state that's not like absolutely unbearable uh, right. come that time of year, because there's no way anybody in Iowa is going to even you know want to sit <laughs> outside. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was something. So I... I God, I guess eventually we're going to have to get around to talking about the Suspiria. But um, when I first started the festival, uh, the first year I had it at the end of October. And my thinking was that, you know, the horror and midnight movie crowds kind of overlap a lot. Maybe I could get some um, over some some overflow from people coming into uh, Orlando for various horror know, Halloween things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, and I think that was a mistake because then so many people just assumed, you know, oh, it's happening at the end of October. It's called Sick and Wrong. It's obviously a horror event. Right. So I decided I wanted to move the festival to earlier in the year, but I didn't want to. Man, this is boring. You can chop all this out of me. No, no, no. I think I, my, a lot of my listeners are filmmakers, and oh, okay. uh, I think they'll they'll appreciate this. Yeah, I I didn't want to move the whole thing at once because that would mean either losing a year of the festival. Or having to do one three months later, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I started moving the festival three months at a time. So from, you know, I think it was November the second year, we moved it back to August. And then after that, it was back to May. And it was supposed to go fa- back to February as of 2020, but you know what happened in 2020. Yeah. Um, my goal was always to have it in the cool months. But those two months when it was in like August and then May, oh my God. What a terrible idea. Orlando <laughs> in August is just a nightmare. Oh, yeah. I don't know why people come down here in the summer. It boggles my mind. I don't want to be here in the summer. I don't want to be here right now. It was so hot outside. <laughs> it, was, it was over 90 degrees outside. Uh, but yeah, so so December seemed like a good time. Um, a lot of people, you know, people have more flexibility for travel in December. And 
it's just nicer to be in Orlando in the summer. Yeah, people want to get out of the Midwest, uh, you know, or the East Coast and get somewhere warm. So (laughs) yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was uh, I'm I'm happy to do it then. And then of course, in this particular year, if it ends up being, you know, um, I have to rent a park or go out to a park or something and have everybody bring picnic blankets and stuff, it won't be so terrible. I love the idea of these movies playing in public. So like someone could go by, <laughs> yeah. like I've, we like, you know, last year um, we were trying, there, there's like this downtown in our, in our town, there's mm-hmm. actually what they call like a five in V the drive-in. They play kids movies. They painted the side of a building and they oh, play nice. free movies for kids. And it usually actually, one of their movies always overlaps with snap. And I was just thinking like, <laughs> you know, I just thinking, you know, wonder if they'd let me borrow it. Like if, if things get considerably worse in 2020, I was like, you know, yeah. maybe we can do something. And I'm like, I cannot play most of these like outdoors where cars <laughs> Outside, can drive by and yeah. see it, you know, at least in a park you're at least like people have a warning, like this right, is on like right. a busy street. So I'm like, well, how could I possibly, you know, at least if people still, they come to our festival and I, I we warn them before every block with an intro mm-hmm. and they read the booklet and they still, so many people still get, get shocked. Af- yeah, get shocked and offended. They're like, as if, you know, I, I personally attack them and it's like, yeah. you came to a, a f- art, like a film festival. I mean, like, yeah, what, yeah. What did, these are independent films. These are not studio films. What were you expecting? Yeah, these aren't. Yeah, well, okay, so I got a question for you. All right. For somebody, okay, I, I don't want to sound judgmental here. Um, there are people in this world who live very fulfilling and happy lives without ever seeing any movie that doesn't play at the Cineplex. And... I have no beef with those people whatsoever. I I'm I'm uh, I don't want to sound like I'm dismissing them or looking down on them or anything like that. I don't. I I think that's fantastic. If however you get your joy in life, go for it. You know. My question to you then, I so when you and I decided uh, when you invited me on to come talk, I originally said um, that we should do uh, the movie Eraserhead, mm-hmm. and. Um, I think we both decided uh, that, you know, and and you, you watched it. Yep. Uh, and uh, <laughs> so I guess my question is, like, we, we talked about this earlier and we were like, well, you know, what the hell do you say about Eraserhead? <laughs> so my question then is for somebody who has only ever seen movies at the Cineplex, at the at the at the big, you know, the the wide release movie, somebody who's reached adulthood um, without ever having seen a movie that did not achieve a wide release. My question is. How do you describe what kind of movie Eraserhead is to them in a way that will that they will understand it all? And before you answer, I think my answer is I don't think it can be done. I think it just has to be seen. Yeah, I think and, that's probably the best because I mean, you're like my my you know description is never going to right. fit their you know it's it's really tough especially something like that. I mean David Lynch films in general you know yeah, his yeah. his stuff uh, I've tried to explain Twin Peaks to people and it's like mm-hmm. um, it's sort of like a a, a romantic sitcom <laughs> it's like a soap opera yeah, yeah. soap opera like and, and I've had friends watch it on my recommendation they're like why why would you watch why this did you do? <laughs> yeah like what what do you enjoy about this and it's 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 weird that our brains are just wired different i guess but yeah and i think i think that's what you're running into when people come to the festival and you try to tell them you're like guys listen it, this is going to get rough these are some of these movies are, are are challenging and they're like okay i get it i get it and then the first movie comes up and they go oh my god what is this and they storm out it's because there was there was never any way you were going to be able to prepare them yeah and I'm sort of of two minds on this because on the one hand, uh, believe it or not, uh, despite the name of the festival, I don't 
want, I'm not a, I'm not trying to play gotcha with people. I don't want to spring things on them when they show up, you know, I right. kind of want people, I want to surprise them and I want, I want to challenge them and I want their minds to change about what film can be and all that stuff. But at the same time, I don't want to, um, I, I don't want to trap anybody. So I try to warn them. Uh, but I think that, um, the first time you see something that is legitimately challenging, something that, that defies the rationale that you think that art has to belong, that, even if you don't decide consciously, at some point you sort of are trained to think that, that art behaves this way, you know? And I think seeing something that challenges that is very uh, important for, for uh, I don't know, it's, it's, it's transformative, you know? Yeah. And I, I want people to have that experience, but I also don't want them to be, you know, God, what am I trying to say right now? You don't want them to be, <laughs> yeah, like feel uncomfortable or feel like uh, you've put them in a position where they're not safe or. Yeah. Yeah. Not like, to just be fucked up to be fucked up for fucked up sake. Right. Right. Like I've seen, I've, I've had submissions come in and I know that like if all I want to do is make people uncomfortable, I could program the submission, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and I, but I don't do that generally because, you know, I, that's not what I'm going for. I'm trying to introduce people to, to, you know, things that I like and, 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 um, uh, more challenging kind of filmmaking. And if it's just, if it's just, do you remember in the early days of the internet? I don't know. I'm probably a lot older than you, but in the early days of the internet, they had these things called screamers where, uh, you would send somebody a link and it would open up this little flash game. Oh, yeah. And, and then it had a surprise face right. pop up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Right, right. right. That is not what I want to do to people. You right. Know? <laughs> yeah. No, I, I get it. And I, it's interesting um, for like I, you know, pick my judges and I try to get a wide variety of people because mm -hmm. I think that's important, too. Like yeah. I, I obviously pick some filmmakers and some writers and I'll find people who have um, submitted to the festival in the past and maybe they didn't have a project this year or something. Mm -hmm. And I, I really respect their work and their, their um, taste. And I'm like, Hey, would you be interested in, in judging? And then I've had times where I also have some judges that have nothing to do with filmmaking and mm -hmm. they're just audience members. Cause I also, I think people tend to forget that um, when they're making a film and I know it's, it's probably a habit when you're making short films for a festival because mm -hmm. it's like the only place they're going to screen them, especially shorts is like, yeah. you know, they, in their mind, they're like, I'm making this for other filmmakers and it's a whole different audience. Um, when, and, and we, we sometimes struggle with getting local support from people, you know, oh, just that aren't filmmakers. Yeah. But when I, I do love, cause you can tell when they come in and they sort of are cautious and looking around and, and I was that guy, you know, that first year and, yeah. and it turned me around, but it's like, when I do this and go in, it's like, you know, I, I see some people come in and I and I'll, I'll actually if I um, know someone who's sort of interested, I try to like look at my list. I'm like, oh, this block, they, it might fit their taste a little better where yeah. it's not something that would make. I, I sort of can tell if I know them personally. OK, this one, you know, it teeters on the edge, but it won't push them too far or the other way where I'm like, they, I know that they like challenging stuff. They love the extreme. Um, I think they would love this block. And I, yeah. you know, I know it's like it's, it's sort of crazy to think like I'm making personal decisions like, hey, check this out. But I think <laughs> it's a better chance if they come in. I know they're going to enjoy that block that they'll come back, you know. Right, right. Yeah. And, you know, I think that's one of the things I, I've learned over the years of the festival is like programming my blocks. 
is I've sort of started kind of, and it's hard when I, when, you know, you live in your own head. Um, I, I have my, uh, my partner, Jennifer, she helps me out a lot, but I, I tried to start lately. I've been trying to like program like, here's an introductory block. Like if mm-hmm. you've, if you've, if you're just testing the waters, you want to get your, you want to get your feet wet and figure out what sick and wrong is all about. Here's a good block where it's not like the movies, you know, the movies are all great. You know, I'm not going to program a movie I don't love, but these are the ones that maybe won't make you so uncomfortable. These are the ones that won't, uh, upset you so much as some of the stuff in the rest of the program. And then sort of, create kind of a continuum and I have a I've taken lately in the last couple of years I uh, have started programming a block that I like to call the uh, um, the deep end which usually plays like around midnight and it's just the the most extreme yeah right right the most just just mind melting stuff I can get a hold of uh, that I loved of course that's always you know I uh, I don't know if this is a, a controversial stance but I still am the only person who watches all the submissions and I still am the only one who um, chooses the lineup at second round. I'm the same way. As, yeah. As yep. <laughs> I do the same exact thing. Yeah. And it's not, I guess if, if I hit the point, you know, like I think, what is it? Um, Slam dance got like 9,000 submissions or something last yeah, year. Fucking crazy. It, yeah. If I ever hit that point, I might have to hire some more people. But for the <laughs> moment at the level that I'm getting, even though it takes up a lot of my time, I just, it's, it still feels like I, like, you know, I got to have my fingerprint on this thing. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's your fest. And, and I, I always tell people, you know, I pick them, but then I throw them to the judges and, yes, and, yes. and it's like, it's not, I, I remind people at the award ceremony. Cause I have sort of, actually i've talked about on here before i sort of hate Mm -hmm. the award ceremony (laughs) because people get so disappointed i'm like i picked your film like i I, it got a it got your short film got to play on the screen you got to do a q a um you know you you already won you finished a film it played for an audience yeah and and to me it's like why do you give a fuck if like you know some (laughs) some dude in ohio didn't love it as much as i did like you know it's and i understand it too it's like it's it's that thing's your baby and you're taking it personal mm-hmm. but i i really just sort of hate the politics of like the award ceremony because it, it's like after a great weekend of positivity i, I hate sort of how we cap it off and and people get disappointed get where kind of bummed yeah. yeah in my mind i'm like you know who gives a shit man it's all subjective but um yeah yeah i i, I went so this is gonna sound uh let bear me out anybody anybody listening right now there's there's a there's a really awful insidious um, mindset that seems to be spreading among filmmakers that really makes me mad that that somehow film festivals are scams in and of themselves and I, I just it makes me so mad that people say that uh, because I think that that um, mindset comes from not knowing the purpose that a film festival serves you know mm-hmm. uh, but side note I, so I submitted to a festival a long time ago in uh, Brooklyn called the bad film fest which is you know a very uh, I didn't get to go but it's a it's a very they got a very fun aesthetic and they were cool people and they were very upfront uh, from the very beginning they told you that um, every movie that gets accepted uh, that they play gets an award and I thought that was sweet because like you know they don't they don't sculpt trophies or anything like that right. they give oh, everyone yeah. an award and i think that that sort of circumvents a lot of that conversation about uh you know was my movie good enough did you not like it enough right you know? and um a funny just side note to me is you know i submitted from 
when I was living down here, uh, and uh, they gave me the Welcome to Florida award for my movie, <laughs> and I thought that was cute or whatever. But then about four years later, when I was I think typing up my website or something, I realized Welcome to Florida is the WTF award. <laughs> and I was like, yes, wait, I'm so happy now. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't notice before. <laughs> no, that's funny. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's a struggle. And I think if mm-hmm. the, the whole thing you're saying about, um, you know, people calling them scams, like I've, mm-hmm. I've seen filmmakers who either didn't win or get, you know, or get accepted sort of burning that bridge on, you know, yes. they, they take it so personal. And I'm like, do. and, and I, I get it. And like I said, it's their baby. But like, I, mm-hmm. I wish people could see how much money we don't make and how much oh uh, how God, much t- yes. time goes into it and how <laughs> many times I want to shoot myself in the fucking head yes. over this and how much how Jesus. many sleepless nights and if this is a scam I am doing it so wrong me too yeah it's <laughs> it's you know it's like you know people I remember when I took over one of my friends was like he had not been to the festival or anything and he's like mm-hmm. so like who's your boss I'm like well no it's my fest now and he's like well who hired you I'm like well no one like and and then he helped out when he was like shit like you and nikki do like you know most of the the work and i have a few other you know someone does the screenplay side of it and like we have a Mm -hmm. host and stuff but it's like you guys do like everything and i'm like yeah dude like and and, and he's like and you have to put together like you have to watch everything i'm like yeah most (laughs) most of them more than once you know and uh you know and he's like how do you program i've shown him like the the spreadsheets and how and and there was just like all the spreadsheets so much spreadsheets yeah it's just like blowing his mind and he's like and how do you and and, you know how do you guys figure out your volunteers i'm like my wife does all that and it's like you know it's like well, you know, it must be worth it. And I'm like, eh, some days I wonder. I yeah, it's, it is worth it when you like are finally when a festival is there and you have all your friends, you're surrounded by yeah. people and you're watching yeah. the movies. And it's like, OK, you know, three weeks ago, I was ready to just throw it all away and, right, and, and right, right. you know, drive into a fire. But today it's like, you know, this is this is a reminder. And then I go through that. I mean, we all go through that process. Yeah. We're like, why am I doing this? OK, this is why I'm doing it. And then when it ends, it's like, OK, I don't want to do it ever again. Yeah. In a, in a I, month, I'll be like, I'm ready to go again. Let's, so. let's do it. Let's open some missions. You know what? Let's open them up early this year. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's I, I, we we all sort of like I said at the beginning is like you know there there must be something wrong with us where yeah um, we want to do this and and people I've explained to them like you know I I actually the theater is next door to my full time job and so we oh, share, yeah. like it shares a wall and people are like what do you like you're, you're not you just don't do this for a job i'm like no i have to fucking eat like you know <laughs> right right this this is what i do in the spare time when i'm not running a pot doing a podcast or when i'm not you know doing it and it's like and somewhere yeah. in there we eat and sleep but uh you know it's i, I really wish people like I've, I've said it many years i'm like i wish i could like have someone follow me around with like a camera <laughs> like from the moment we open for submissions till the moment like we close up the like locks even not even yeah. that like uh, people think once you know the the words uh festival is over like the awards ceremony is like no now i have to fucking mail out all the awards i have to track <laughs> yes. down every person oh i have God. to get all the addresses it never ends I, our festival is at the beginning of august i'm still like i'm still yeah. not wrapped up on it you know i'm still sending out <laughs> i was at the post office just the other day sending out shit it never ends the emails yep. never stop you know it's it's a, it's a year-long thing it's like you don't even get that feeling of accomplishment when you're done because you know there's fucking a hundred other things to do coming, yeah. yeah but um yeah. 
I know people listening to this are going to be curious as far as um, like where, when, how they submit. I mean, if they're filmmakers, they probably understand film freeway. Film freeway, right, right. Yeah, but um, as far as, you know, like I said, your, your regular deadline's coming up. This will be mm-hmm. out before your regular deadline, then your okay. late deadline's okay. Halloween. But the debacle, how does that whole system work? Explain that to filmmakers. So, yeah, the debacle, okay. The, the first thing you got to know about the debacle is uh, probably the most important thing, which is that it is open to filmmakers literally literally everywhere the entire debacle takes place online uh, people shoot wherever they are and then they they upload their movies uh to my google drive because you know i'm a real pro and then um uh i'm gonna screen the movies for free online so like all the completed movies are gonna get screened for free so uh you pay to join the debacle but um, then if you actually finish your movie, which not everybody did last year, but when, if you finish your movie, then you can share the link and everybody can watch your movie. So here's how, here's what you do if you, if you're interested in joining the debacle, you know, it kind of bums me out. Uh, cause I'm an old man. I'm, I'm, I'm in my forties. And like, I remember when people would go to websites and people don't go to websites anymore. People view the entire internet through this walled garden of either, you know, Facebook or Twitter or uh, Reddit even or something like that. But I have a website <laughs> that I work really hard on. Old school, yeah. <laughs> old school. <laughs> if you go to sicknwrongfilm.com, that's sick n like the letter n wrongfilm.com. That is the that is the hub for all things that uh, uh, are sick and wrong. So all the social media is linked from there and all the info is linked from there. And there's a very large archive of all the movies we've ever had at the festival there that I worked really hard on and no one ever looks at. <laughs> I I saw that and I was jealous. I'm like, I wish I would have kept better track of ours. I I mean, I probably, I still have all the printed programs so I could go back and do that. Just like type everything up. Yeah, it took forever. I I, I literally have like three totes downstairs from um, the the years before I did it when they were still using physical DVDs for every short. Oh God, Uh, yeah. When I took over, I'm like, are you kidding? You're still doing physical media? We are stopping that right this year. Yeah, put an end to that. Yeah, and you know, it was was a bit, it was like a learning curve, but... um, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, you saying you know upload to my Google Drive? I'm like, no, dude, that's that's right on. Like, trust <laughs> me, it's so much better than mailing a damn disc. And and Ugh, there are yeah. festivals that are still doing that. I still do that. I went to a festival not too many years ago where uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna name it. I'm not gonna drag anybody here. But the festival was flipping DVDs for short films during the screening. Yep. And I'm like, what is happening right now? Just burn a DVD, bro. What is even, what are you even doing? But anyway, okay, so <laughs> sorry. <laughs> Enough shade. You asked, how do people join the debacle? Well, you go to sickandwrongfilm.com, sickandwrongfilm.com. And up at the top of the screen, there's a link that says debacle. Click on that to read the rules. And it'll take you to a web form that you sign up. And it's still pretty low tech because this is only the second year I've done this. So what you do is you fill out the web form with your team information and all that. And then you just PayPal the fee to the sick and wrongs um, PayPal address. And then you're in. And then, you know, watch for an email as we get close to the shoot dates. And uh, um, you'll shoot again wherever you are. And you'll upload them to my Google Drive. and And I'll prepare the screening. And this year, what I've done since... Um, since the festival starts on the 10th and the debacle screenings are going to be on the 9th, what I'm going to do for all the folks who can't make it out to Orlando is I'm going to leave the debacle movies up all weekend. So if you can't make it to Sick and Wrong, you can still go watch some good Sick and Wrong content in these, um, 
uh, debacle, the completed debacle films. I love it. Whew, yeah. <laughs> and, and so the kickoff I saw starts mm-hmm. uh, November 25th on Thanksgiving, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> yeah, Thanksgiving night. I figure everybody will uh, will probably, everybody in the U.S. anyway, will get will get stuffed or uh, uh, whatever they're doing on that day. And then that night will kick off and they'll have, um, the way most people have bro- broke it out last year, and this is not a requirement at all or anything, but like the way most people broke it out last year is, you know, 24 hours to write, 24 hours to shoot, 24 hours to edit and and uh, deliver. So you'll get your assignment on Thanksgiving night. And uh, then each team gets its own uh, clock. So like if you get your assignment at 5.32 p.m. on Thursday, well, then your movie is going to be due 5.32 p.m. on Sunday. And you're keeping track of this? Um, yeah. Yep. You, you poor More fellow. spreadsheets. <laughs> <laughs> I was yeah. like, God, I... I I can't imagine. Yep. I'm sure there are smarter ways to do this, but just like everything else I do, I'm just I'm just making it up as I go. <laughs> no, I, I love it. Um, you know, I'm watching this and I'm like, man, like this guy's got a lot more motivation than I do. He's added something, you know, it's like we, we've, you know, we, I added a day when I, I yeah. uh, took over and it slowly, it's gone from, you know, it went from like a two day festival to three. Now we're in four mm-hmm. days and I'm like, nice. I, you know, we're, we're coming up on our 10th year. So I need to figure something fun out for this, this Some coming season. <laughs> but um, no, I just love this 72 hour debacle. Uh, and I think it's so, so cool exciting. that it, it has its own day and that you are keeping them online. Cause I know I'm going to be watching them. I, I'm actually going to yeah. be in um, Orlando in like a week but um (laughs) as of recording this i'll probably already be there but or as you're listening to (laughs) listening yeah um but you know i i'm i would love to go back in december just you know to get out of to get out of iowa for for a weekend but (laughs) i i just i love what you're doing i think it's so cool i think people will be excited um and like i i'll make sure to link it in the show notes and link it on all of our socials so people can go check out sign up uh because you know like you said you have a nice website you worked on and go check out his archive (laughs) he worked hard on it go make sure to look at it (laughs) Uh, our our website is so antiquated and outdated it's embarrassing i've i've (laughs) I've slowly tried to move it to different places but you know i just need to pony up and pay someone uh to to redesign it because i don't i'm like i'll eventually get to it i'm like where when do i have time to do that i don't have time to do that Yeah, I've been teaching myself. uh, I'm I'm fortunate enough, and I hope I I doubt very seriously my boss is going to hear this. But I've been teaching myself, you know, uh, WordPress uh, Mm -hmm. at work (laughs) for this reason. And like, um, you know, it's it's a good thing to know. It's a it's a nice uh, talent to have. But outside of it, like I, I look at you know. Jeez, it might I might as well just stay on Facebook. Like nobody looks at websites, so it's it's kind of thankless. But uh, I'm I'm pretty 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 happy with the the time that I've spent on this thing. Well, not the time certainly. I'm pretty happy with the outcome. Right of the time you've put into it. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, no, I I completely understand. And you know, I I actually like I said, I I work full time next door as a graphic mm-hmm. designer, so. I, I can relate because I, um, print all the program books, all the posters, Mm -hmm. um, every, all the ballots for audience choice, everything at my job. And, you know, I'm doing that when my boss is at lunch, uh, you know, or when (laughs) when he's gone for the day, it's like time to load up that printer. Uh, you know, 
get get uh i had a secretary used to sort of say there has to be some kind of benefit to working at a print shop so don't feel guilty Um, (laughs) but you know they're a sponsor and he gets recognition on everything and people people realize you know hey next door you know and every year we get new like filmmakers are like oh we need cards or we need posters this you know and it's like it brings in business so i don't feel too bad about it but um i'm excited to see uh the debacle films i think the the 48 hour thing is always fun my friends are always involved in it and so Mm -hmm. the idea of uh doing a sick and wrong version of it is is just fantastic and that i like the idea that they get a little bit longer to do it and i think yeah. the, the results like you said it's i everyone i know that does 48 it's like a fucking a, a, a super stressful and right they're never completely satisfied with the results so mm-hmm. um you know i think it'll be really interesting how was last year did it i mean obviously you're doing it again so yeah <laughs> man i got okay so first of all i i, I want to say i got a lot of great movies i got some shockingly great movies um what really blew my mind though was how much animation I got because I thought animation uh, was something you know and take I a don't lot longer, yeah 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 there were several filmmakers and you know their movies wound up on the short end but uh, I think there's a group um, these uh, these two friends of mine Gurleen and Anthony they work as um, they call themselves Zim and Timo and they uh, they managed to make like a seven minute movie during the debacle last year based on the prompts and it was incredible because she draws super fast and he's a composer and editor and they put together this animation um yeah i think it was like seven minutes uh shoot what was it called i can't remember what it was called crap (laughs) but it was beautiful it was gorgeous and i was like wow did you guys really knock that out in three days and anthony said well actually i got food poisoning the first day so it was more like two days yikes like jesus (laughs) but yeah i got some really good stuff um I've been watching the filmmakers who submitted and uh, some of these movies and and this this just warms my black heart. Some of these movies have gone on and played other festivals afterward. And mm-hmm. that just makes me so thrilled, you know, because I've seen so many people make these 48s and it's like the I really don't I sound like I'm just shitting on the 48s. I'm really not. I'm really not. It's a fun ex- exercise. But so many of the people I know who've worked on it have been have felt like because of the genre and prop and yeah, yeah all the restrictions they just didn't feel like it was a movie of theirs and so they never really wanted to do anything with it afterward and i always wanted everybody who who joined the debacle to be happy that they did it you know whether they they finished a movie or not to just be happy that they didn't or not to feel like they had um misspent their time at all and uh, I f- the feedback I've gotten, which is not total, not everybody has given me feedback, but the feedback I've gotten has been very positive about it. So I'm looking forward to doing it again. That's good. Like we've we've had a few uh, every year. I think we get uh, like one or two 48 hour mm-hmm. um, submissions. And it's always it's interesting when they submit it and they like trim off the the intros <laughs> that say it's 48 hour. And then you see yeah. it at the end. It's like sometimes I'm blown away. I'm like, you know, it's good that I didn't know this going in and I watch it and then I'm, I'm actually really impressed. And it's like, yeah. you know, uh, and, and you know, they, uh, our festival this year, um, actually happened to be like the weekend right before they kicked off in Des Moines. So a lot of filmmakers oh, okay. came to our festival and then like left Sunday and Monday <laughs> were like, 
you know, shooting, shooting. their next film. So it was like, <laughs> you know, an extended little uh, family reunion for these people who, who meet up in Iowa for the film festival. Sort of, you know, I thought at first I was like, oh, I, I felt bad because I didn't realize this was happening. And they're like, no, it's actually great because we get to like network here. And oh, then we cool. find the people that we need. Like, oh, I really yeah. love the score from this movie. That guy's here. Cool. Like, let's, let's snag him <laughs> before someone else does for our film. That's and, awesome. You know, it was, it was like, use my fest all you want. That's what it's there for is, is yeah, networking. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, it's, it's just cool to see. I mean, I, I talk about this every year, but it's I love we, we do like table reads uh, for the short oh, screenplays. Yeah. And I've there's so many times where like one year, they'll do a table read. And then the next year or two years later, um, someone who read in that table read is in the short film on the screen. And it's like, that's cool. You know, seeing it birth here is like the coolest thing. And, and these relationships. And I think that's, what's like, you know, people don't realize that kind of stuff happens at film festivals. You know, it's like, yeah. you just sit and watch movies. No, that's not at all what it is. You know, those are, that's just part of it. That's just what gathers us, yeah. you know? And, uh, and, and, you know, that's what I'm glad that it's sort of get, we're getting back into that, um, you know, in-person festival because there's no, it's, it's hard to replace it, but. Right, right. Yeah. I, last year we went, uh, second wrong one online and, um, you know, obviously it would have been nicer to do it live, but I really feel like we made, uh, the best of the, of the, of the situation that we had on our hands. Uh, cause we, I, 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 I stretched the movies out for a week and I scheduled, um, Oh my God, I think it wound up being whew, 22 different live events during wow. that week. Yeah, I remember. I, <laughs> I remember you posting about it. And I'm like, you know, every time I got online, there was something going on, which is cool. <laughs> you know, you, it's like if my schedule doesn't allow me to see this, there's something else later to check out. Yeah, so. yeah. And, and there, I've, I want to take those lessons away. Uh, I'd like to get some, because one of the best things about, uh, or not one of, the absolute far and away best thing about running a live, or a, uh, an online festival, was the increased uh, um, interaction with filmmakers. Because so many, so many years, it's like, not everybody can afford to just fly out to Florida right. for a festival, you know? So uh, I got to, I got to talk with people online and hang out with people in the lounge, Oop, secret lounge um, <laughs> that I, you know, I, I, I would have had no chance. They would have not had any chance of getting down here for the actual physical festival. And that was just great. I love that so much. Yeah. I was a little, um, we were like figuring out the costs and like the, mm -hmm. you know, everything. And we, we ended up not doing it. Um, we just sort of, skip 2020 and and yeah um but i don't I, blame anybody for doing that it was a fucking gross year <laughs> yeah but i i also think you know um you know i think some people saw it as like you know oh, online fests aren't quite the same but there's like mm -hmm. you said like there are benefits to it too it's not just all cons there's pros to yeah. you know and, and we're the same way like the majority of our festival are um the attendees the filmmakers are not just iowa but midwest based you know yeah. surrounding states uh, and every year we get like a handful of people from each coast and every once in a great while we'll get someone from outside of the country and, you mm -hmm. know, and then it's like everyone gravitates to them like a moth to a flame. They're just like, <laughs> oh, you know, I want to hang out with the cool Russian guy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. But, but, you know, it, it's like, I, I, you know, I, I do sort of like, envy you that you know you got to like talk to i i interact yeah. with a lot of these filmmakers through emails back and forth and you know I, i'll send them uh you know booklets and program stuff in the in the mail and and you know in back and forth but it's like you know being able to speak to the them or real see time them. element yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so was you know really nice. i i i think i actually messaged you after yours i was like i'm gonna pick your, pick your brain on this sometime because <laughs> i would like to you know and, and now we're doing the hybrid thing a lot of festivals right. are and 
you know, it's probably going to be the future of it is like, regardless yeah, yeah. of, of pandemic status, I think people see the pros of being able to offer stuff online and doing these, uh, you know, a lot of the online stuff. So, you know, I, I'm okay with it. If we, we found some stuff we like from it, you know, and, yeah. you know, and it's always about improving and growing and changing yeah. and, and finding new things. Yeah, I know a lot of people who are just like, I mean, I, I'm, I'm a member of some of these like uh, film fest uh, organizer groups on Facebook or something like that. And there's too. a lot of there's a lot of curmudgeons on there. Who oh, are yeah. Just like, yeah. Ugh. And, and I'm not into that. I, well, I'm, I'm into doing whatever it is that makes the filmmakers want to be a part of this because that's the fest doesn't exist without filmmakers, you know? Yep, exactly. It's all about them and, and making them happy. So um, I guess we should get to today's topic. Um, so tonight we're going to talk about Suspiria. Suspiria. Roses are red, violets are blue, but the iris is the flower that will mean the end of it. You can hide from Suspiria. Suspiria. But you cannot escape. Suspiria. The only thing more terrifying than the last 12 minutes of Suspiria are the first 92. Oh, man. Great trailer. What a trailer. I didn't, I never saw that before. That's wild. And, I, and I'll have to send you a link to watch it because it's even yeah. visually, it, it's really, really cool. Um, but Suspiria was released August 12th, 1977. Um, and I'm going to butcher these names because uh, they're, <laughs> yeah, they're Italian. So Italian. I, I apologize to any Italian or um, film buff listening. Uh, written by Daria Nicolodi and Dario Argento, directed by Dario Argento. Uh, cinematography, cinematography by Luciano Tavoli, um, music by Goblin and Dario Argento. It's funny in the in the in the I I knew the the soundtrack had been by Goblin, but then the when goblins, I it, the goblins, right? That yeah, so yeah, weird. they screwed it up. Yeah, uh, it, it's it's like some boomer, like oh the go I love them goblins. I love the goblins. <laughs> uh, starring Jessica Harper as Susie, uh, Stefania as Sarah, uh, Flavio Bucky Busi, probably Busi as Bucci. Daniel, uh, Miguel Bose as Mark. Alida Valli as Miss Tanner, Joan Bennett as Madame Blanc, um, a very young Udo Kier in a yes. mint green blazer as Good Dr. Lord. Frank Mandel. So young. Yeah, uh, Barbara. Oh, baby Udo. Yeah, baby little Udo Kier. Uh, Barbara <laughs> Mangolofi as Olga, um, Eva Axon as Pat Hingle, and Rudolf Schnudler as Professor Milanus. Uh, <laughs> this movie, man. Uh, <laughs> this is so i'm really i gotta say i'm oh, oh, i'm really nervous uh because you told me that you love this movie and everybody i know loves this movie and so i'm, I'm a little afraid to talk about it right no now. no i want to i want to clear the air because uh 
I have some friends and I have some friends who are probably on the same stance that you are. Um, mm-hmm. My uh, good friend and filmmaker uh, Remington, he is a, he is outspoken about this one several times. He called, I think he called, he referred to it as color gel, the movie. Uh, <laughs> he basically That's was like, th- this movie, uh, you know, is basically like an overlit uh, movie with no substance. It's all style. <laughs> Um, well, I, okay. In fairness, I, I, I want to say um, uh, first of all, when I when I entered this into my letterboxed last night, I gave it the little heart, and I meant it. Uh, the uh, what everyone told me that was good about this movie really was good about this movie. Uh, every, what everybody said to me, the two things that everybody would always say to me about this movie is that it looks gorgeous and that it sounds, the, the score is amazing. And those two things are 110% true. This is, I think this is a beautiful movie uh, with an incredible soundtrack and an absolute Swiss cheese storyline. <laughs> oh yeah, well, I, I'm curious about, I mean, you're the director of the Sick and Wrong Festival. I, I deal I deal with this all the time where people are like, you direct a festival, you, you're on a horror podcast, and mm-hmm. they find out that I haven't seen like Eraserhead or I hadn't oh, seen yeah, something. Yeah. And, 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 and you know, we, we promote on this podcast the positive side of like when I find out someone hasn't seen something, I don't say, yeah. I can't believe you haven't seen it. I say, you haven't seen it? That's fantastic. Let's watch that's, it. That's great. Let's watch uh, it. Yeah. That's, such, that's so healthy. I, I, I have to confess real fast to having been one of those awful people uh, in my youth. Oh, me too. Absolutely. Like, what, you, what's the matter with you? You haven't seen Apocalypse Now 14 times? You know. So how? But I'm how, no longer that guy. I was going to say, <laughs> how, how, how did it go this long without you seeing this one? I'm not sure. I think um, the truth is, and and I don't want, if any of my Orlando friends hear this, I don't want them to to, to feel stung or anything. But, um, well, okay. First of all, in general, <laughs> that's quite a quite a dangle, quite a tease to leave and not get to. Just uh, <laughs> I'll come back to it. I promise. But uh, just in general, I was really slow. Uh, I was a, a, a real latecomer to. Um, I guess transgressive cinema, you know, when I grew up, uh, I grew up overseas. Uh, my parents were in the army, you know, it wasn't okay. anything, it wasn't anything, uh, no cool reasons. Just my dad's <laughs> in the army and my mom's in the army. But, uh, so I grew up overseas and we always had, you know, video stores on base that we would go to, but I was always kind of held to choosing movies that the family could watch together. Mm-hmm. Right. And, my family was not, you know, my family were Cineplex folks, right? You, you like, guys didn't watch the Spiria together? We did not watch the Spiria <laughs> together, believe it or not. Shockingly. And so I came to the weird movie game much, much later in life. So that's how I missed it in my childhood. In my adulthood, um, I I went to film school, uh, and I want to put some hard air quotes on the phrase film school right there, but I went to film school and spent most of my uh, student loan money buying DVDs and stuff, but <laughs> I bought them kind of too fast to watch them all in any timely manner. And I've actually had Suspiria sitting on my on my shelf for good lord, fifteen years maybe, uh, and never got around to watching it uh, because the 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 big problem was that like um, once I was out of film school, I just was sort of never around movie people again. Mm-hmm. You know, like I have a lot of friends and they love to watch movies. Uh, I lo- a lot of friends here in Orlando who love to watch movies, but they're not. Uh, 
how do I say this without offending them? Like they're not, they're not, they're not filmmakers. They're not film nerds. They're not film geeks. They, they're, they're not. They, they don't go they, looking. Yeah, they consume films in a different way. They do. They consume films in a different way. And I know anybody who just rolled their eyes at me. I promise. I know how shitty that sounds, and that's not how I meant it. You know, I, I, I reiterate what I said before. You can live a perfectly fulfilling life never watching a movie outside of a Regal 20 or something like that, right, you know, yeah, it's fine. Yeah. Uh, but because of that, you know, um, I haven't had a lot of social opportunities to watch movies like Suspiria with friends of mine. And when I'm watching on my own time, when I'm watching movies by myself, honestly, for at least the last six years, God, I am so eyeballs deep in submissions all the time. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and then when like, I don't have any submissions when it's between seasons or something. I just, you know, I want to watch um, unchallenging movies. No, I get it. And <laughs> I can I can completely relate. But luckily, like, you know, with Attack of the Killer podcast and mm. this podcast, and I, I've yeah. talked about it almost every episode, it's almost, you know, it's, it's sort of nice to have this, like, motivation to do yeah. things. But it's also, on the other side, I always wonder if um, we're consuming movies the wrong way too because i'm like i almost assign you this movie or i sign yeah, you know yeah. or, or a guest assigns me a movie and then it's almost especially for like attack of the killer podcast because our host mike he has like and mike mike will um embrace this he has really <laughs> shitty taste in movies uh so he almost finds stuff and we always question him like did you pick this just to torture us um some you know like just, just some of the dumb shit he finds because he's seen every corner of horror you know he, yeah, he, he yeah. has to dig deep to find something he hasn't seen but it's like, and when I when I sit down to watch a movie that I know I'm going to be talking about on a podcast, I have to put the phone away and I have to pay attention. Mm -hmm. And it and sometimes it does feel like homework when it, I don't enjoy the movie, yeah. and I'm like, God damn it! Now like I have to sit through the next hour and a half without you know a distraction because you're on the spot. You know I'm not gonna I, if if I come on and try to bullshit my way through it like a like a school paper, you know <laughs> they're gonna know that you know that I, I didn't actually Did pay you attention. Really watch that? Yeah, yeah, right. But um. Suspiria came to me late too, sort of. I mean, obviously, I was I was born in '85. This came out in uh, 70, 77. 77 yeah. So, um, I got into like big in the horror in high school. I was like a dorky goth kid, you know, mm -hmm. and and horror was wore white zombie t shirts and had uh, <laughs> blue hair and and piercings and thought I was really cool, oh, too cool yeah. for school. And so I got into horror, but of course, it was like, you know the I got into really mainstream horror at first. And then it was sort of like, I, I thought like Suspiria was like, you know, and we talked about this a little bit early in the show. It was like, to me, this was like, Oh, I found the the bottom like corner. Like this is as weird <laughs> as it gets. I had no idea. You know, this, this is just barely the, the tip, you know, it's like, this is actually pretty normal. But um, at the time in high school, when I saw this, you know, it blew my mind. I was like, you know, this is, and yeah. that's probably where my, my love for it and, and my critical eye is not, Mm -hmm. like you're, you're watching it as an adult who has seen everything. So you're, of course your, your expectations are a little different. You're, mm -hmm. you're viewing it with a different eye than I was in high school when I, you know, the biggest, I thought John Carpenter was like the God and I still do, but yeah, um, yeah. you know, but I, I had not really gotten into, I hadn't dug into Italian horror at the time. So Suspiria yeah. is sort of like the, I guess the intro to Italian horror, I would say, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, cause it's not, it, it, it sort of has a story, but you said like the Swiss cheese story. I mean, that's what these Italian horror movies are known for, man. They're right, all, right. they're all gorgeous, but what the fuck is, what the fuck is this movie about? You know, it, it, she, she goes to school. 
um, bad yeah. shit starts happening, and she and she finds out they're witches. Like, there's really nothing to it, <laughs> but it's it. it's, like... it's gorgeous, though. You know, it's, it's yeah, gorgeous. It really is great to look at. It's fantastic to look at. Uh, you just uh, sorry to to backtrack a little bit. You reminded me of a quick story. When I was 12, my neighbor introduced me to uh, the band Megadeth, and I remember sitting there listening to Megadeth, thinking to myself, "This is." the heaviest possible <laughs> music humans could ever create. And then like the very next year, somebody introduced me to Napalm Death and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, I was the same way. Like I grew up with my friend, Sean, shout out to Sean. His He had older brothers. He was the youngest yeah. in the family. And we would go to his house and his parents were never home. It was one of those houses where we could, yeah, yeah. We, we'd jump off the, the roof into a pool and, and you know, <laughs> nice. just t- terrorize the neighborhood. Cause it was, it was, our parents were like, Oh, they're at Sean's house with his parents. No, his parents were never there. Nope. <laughs> um, but his older brothers would be like, you know, you guys like, you know, Satan and they'd play, you know, white zombie. And at the, that time, or Marilyn Manson at that right. time, it was like, Holy shit, this guy's singing wow. about the devil. Of course, you know, then, so edgy. Yeah. You know, but it was like the same thing where I was like, you know, I, I got to go buy a white zombie shirt. And it was, I was like, this is as heavy and mean as music gets. Of course, then, you know, you, you hear these weird Norwegian death metal bands and it's like, yes. Oh, Rob Zombie's a fucking poser, you know, uh, right. but it, it, it's sort of funny. Cause you know, not to get off too off topic, but it's yeah, like yeah. people, Sorry. people, People see Rob Zombie's movies and they're like, you know, that's what the hardcore horror. And it's like, like okay. go, go check yeah. out the. Yeah. I mean, I could I could show you some stuff that makes his movies look very <laughs> right. tame. I, I almost envy the people who look at Rob Zombie's movies and think of that as hardcore horror. Yeah. Know? Yeah. It's it's like, a, I wish I wish I hadn't seen some of the stuff that I've put in my head <laughs> over these years. You know, yeah, I'm a little desensitized, but uh, yeah. No, I, I, I do, you know, what is your history with, like, Italian horror? Like, if you haven't seen Suspiria, oh, what have you seen? So, geez, Italian horror I, is a big, I know, like, uh, I got some friends who are going to be uh, mad at me saying this, but the whole Giallo movement is something that's been uh, a big blank spot for me. Like, I'm aware, you know, just being a, a, a movie guy, I, I'm aware of the hallmarks of Giallo and Italian horror uh, when I watched, so the... <laughs> Okay, <laughs> don't get mad. <laughs> uh, I watched the movie The Editor by Astron Six. Have you seen that? Oh yeah. Oh, I so first of all, I love the editor. I thought that was great. Uh, yeah. But the editor is a. I don't want to call it spoof. Spoof, I think, it's, sends it's a, a love impression. letter. It's a love letter. Yeah, it's it's a it's a love letter in the style of Astron Six uh, to Jalo movies, and so um, that is. I, I don't. I don't want to say that was the first thing in, and I know it's not it's not actually Jow, but in the neighborhood that I watched, uh, I still have a big blank spot. Like I, I still haven't seen, you know, um, I, I guess I saw. It's not really Jallo at all, but I did see uh, Lucio Fulci's Zombie pretty early on. That was one of the the first movies. Once I figured out that there were weirder movies than you know the matrix <laughs> right no yeah I, that was that was one early for me too yeah yeah i got i got to that pretty early i have my uh my i have a a trucker cap that says you know like doc maynard's uh tiki cocktail lounge or something like that and it's just like nobody gets it not even the people who've seen zombie or yeah seen zombie 14 times know oh wait that dude's name was dr maynard yeah it's okay. a really deep nobody. cut yeah it's <laughs> such a stupid thing but um yeah so that's something i've seen i've seen i've seen oh man put me on the spot i don't i don't think i've seen i can't think of a single other jalo movie i i, I have seen like post Jalo movies um like for instance there's a there's an indie film by uh people who 
later became friends of mine, uh, Sophia Cassiola and Michael Epstein, they made a movie called Blood of the Tribids, which is another kind of love letter to Jalo movies, but more straight-faced than, um, than uh, Astron 6 did. And uh, I think that's about... Like, I'm just hovering around the periphery. You said that um, Suspiria acts as generally people's introduction to Italian horror. And last night was the first time I watched it. And I, I'm exactly the, the, the embodiment of what you said. That's like the first real time, I think, that I that I've dove at all into Italian horror. Yeah. Uh... Well, and I would say that by no means am I an expert either. Like, I've seen Mm -hmm. the big ones. Like, I've seen Dario. I've seen the trilogy. This is part of technically a trilogy of movies i think they're, i read that yeah. there's they're so very loose that i mm-hmm. i don't even recommend recommend like mother of tears i think it was <laughs> god awful i mean Dar- <laughs> I, poor dario his I, I, now his movies have become he's like oh this is people are really gonna hate me when i say this but like his newest <laughs> one i think he did dracula 3d i'm like this oh, is dude. i'm like this is tommy wiseau of italian horror <laughs> i mean this that movie was it was the room it was so bad but yeah. it's so much fun um yeah, because yeah. it's so bad like it has really bad like um sci-fi channel like pr- there's a praying mantis in it that's all cgi it's it's like what what are you doing this for like dario what do you like but it <laughs> makes you stay busy in your retirement right like but you know um i i would say there's a lot of big gaps in my uh horror past like i mm-hmm. i just recently i think i just recently saw maybe my first hammer movie um, oh yeah you know that's a huge one that i ha- it's, it's overwhelming to me like i don't know mm-hmm. i need someone who's very proficient in that to, to like, like guide you through yeah that. because yeah. you know I, I we watched and i i explained to you off off air once uh recently that we do these unwrapped episodes of AOTKP yeah. to to sort of get those movies like your Suspiria sitting on the shelf forever. Uh, get <laughs> yeah. get those those movies watched. And um, I had this Hammer box set, and I watched a Frankenstein uh, film. And and of course, oh, cool. as soon as we watched it, I started. I'm like, God, this is a fucking sequel. I had no idea. And, and now I'm like, God damn it! But you know, it was cool. But I'm like, okay, uh, you know, someone who watched this like when it came out or, or like back, you know, in, in their impressionable days probably thought it was a lot better than I did. I thought it was a little slow. And I'm like, we have a really good Frankenstein. Why do we need, you know, a British version? <laughs> um, but there's there's huge, you know, genres and, and Italian horror in general. Like, like I said, I, I, I've seen Suspiria. I've seen a lot of Dario's mm-hmm. films because I, I bought like a box set. I, I re- just recently, probably in the last year, got more into like Mario Baba stuff. I love oh, yeah, yeah. that that gothic, like black and white. Oh, His stuff is is really cool movie i watched i saw i I have seen like one mario i I know i'm just like all i've seen one mario bava movie and i remember digging it a lot um i can't remember which one it is off the top of my head at the moment well it's hard uh, i've seen them and it's hard names are so all similar yeah blood and black lace and the black sabbath and oh i saw black sabbath okay yeah it's an anthology one right is that uh, is that the one? No, I'm. Oh shit! Now I'm thinking. I'm thinking of the one where she gets the mask nailed to her face. That's uh, Bloody Sunday. Yeah, yeah. I okay. love that one. Yeah. Yeah. So I've not seen Black Sabbath. I did. I see Blend Black Lace. Maybe. Probably. But probably it, one but, of those, it, but yeah. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I, I there's so many, and and their names are always yeah. weird. Like, don't torture a duckling. <laughs> right, uh, right. You know, uh, I I actually like Dario's. Uh, st- I, I find his stuff the most. Um, easily digested mm-hmm. where I don't have to pretend I'm liking it just because everybody <laughs> else does. I actually yeah, yeah. do enjoy his stuff. There's some stuff that I'm like, you guys don't really like this. Do you like, <laughs> you're just saying that. And, and I'll, I'll be the first to say like Suspiria is, 
is eye candy and it's yeah. ear, ear candy, but it is not. I, I would argue that it's not a great movie. I think Dario hit all the right notes on this one for for the time. And, and like I said, it's visually cool. But yeah, I think yeah. I think you have to keep in mind when you watch these Italian movies that whoever whenever they made these producers, writers, everybody, they clearly put the story last. Mm-hmm. It was like, we want this to look and sound cool. And um, well, I think we'll we'll have a screenplay, but it's just and last night like i've seen this several times and my my friend blake was like hey you want to come over and watch a movie and i said well i want to rewatch suspiria and he goes i've never seen it and he has this beautiful home theater set up with a projector and a huge screen and surround sound and i was like (laughs) and he has the i was like i have the 4k version let's watch that so we watched it and um he had never seen it and then another friend stopped by like 20 minutes into it and he was like what the fuck is this (laughs) and uh you know and, and he he's a um like a, he worked for a record label and he was like, this is like the coolest score I've, I've ever heard in a horror movie. Yeah. But he's like, I have no idea what's happening. And my friend Blake was like, I've, I'm watching it from the beginning. and I don't know what's happening. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's I there was. OK, so if you ever I don't uh, I don't know if you know him or not, but uh, Michael Epstein, he's a, um, a filmmaker and he sort of approaches not I don't want to I don't want to sound like he doesn't enjoy movies. He certainly enjoys movies, but he's he sort of approached the whole um Italian, the Jalla movement and just Italian filmmaking in general from kind of an academic sort of standpoint. And he was telling me about how like uh, it was, you know, we're watching like we think of, for instance, a spaghetti Western generally as being a movie kind of shat out almost right like right. um but the the truth is that uh, uh, Michael was telling me that in Italian culture at the time um, it was sort of culturally very important for people to like appreciate art and inject art into everything that they were doing and so i think that's how we kind of uh, and i'm over simplifying this entire thing way too much and you should get somebody smarter on to talk about it but uh, that's how we wound up with these movies like the whole giallo movement and italian horror films and just italian films in general where you know the story is is fluff but the people making it were so dedicated were so like uh inculcated with this idea that what they do has to be artistic that you get something like Suspiria where the story just does not survive any scrutiny at all but the making of it is just infused with with beauty you know yeah and I've always sort of wondered about this like you know and you know more because you actually I'm not a filmmaker I'll never claim to be one until I actually make something but you, (laughs) you sort of know the process um and something like this you know everybody says you know dario argento this is his saying like and of course it's his vision and everything but mm-hmm. i think a lot of credit has to go to the the art department to the cinematographer oh, yeah. oh, 100%. To, you know it's like sorry for the you know dario you shouldn't get any credit for writing because there's nothing to yeah. write here but um you know gob <laughs> goblin like the the music in this sets the yeah. mood so much um and and you know it's it's I, I hate to like just be that guy is like you know the other people the small guys need more attention but it's like you know dario's yeah, name always true. yeah dario's name always comes up and of course you know it's, it's the director ultimately is responsible but it's like man mm-hmm. like the things we love about this weren't necessarily dario's doing in some <laughs> yeah. ways i think you could see and uh uh i hope <laughs> i'm gonna say something controversial here i guess but like i think you can see when you look at for instance the theatrical release of Star Wars from 1977, and then you look at the theatrical release of The Phantom Menace, I think that right there just 
proves that the auteur theory is just a complete fucking myth. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there were so many people, so many artists who never got their due from movies like Star Wars and from you know this this whole this movie we're talking about right now, Suspiria. Whoever uh, whoever designed those sets should be equally as famous as Dario Argento, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it takes, it, it sort of shows it takes a team. And mm-hmm. I mean, talking about, you know, and, and of course other factors go into it, but it's like, try try watching, you know, um, Ghost of Mars and tell me that, you know, the guy who made the thing made this and it's, right, right. It, you know, he didn't have Dean Cundey doing the cinematography anymore. Yeah. He didn't, you know, yeah. he, it's like, Things and change. That's not nothing. That's, things change. Yeah, I think I think one of the director's um, uh, primary jobs is to be able to evaluate other artists and say, "Yes, this artist is keyed in with what I'm trying to make," and then let them go. You know. Yeah. I I think that's that's really important, and uh, I think a lot of good directors have done that throughout the history of film, and for whatever reason, the people they have empowered to make the movies never got their the the credit they deserved i and i don't i don't always assume it's malice you know Uh, oh yeah yeah it's just the way that i mean in our minds we're like you know oh the director you know he's getting too and then for the average moviegoer they Mm -hmm. don't even know who the fuck the director is or care seriously you know it's like they don't even get beyond whoever the lead actor is if they get there you know right Uh, whoever we see on screen is all that matters they made the movie you know it's like Vin, vin diesel might as well have have made all the the fucking fast and furious movies. Cause that's <laughs> right, all they know, right. you know, and, that's what they know. And, and, and that's okay. Like it's not a rip on, you know, Oh, the normies don't care. It's like right, right. people just, they have different levels of giving a shit. You know, we yeah. probably, we probably obsess an unhealthy amount of movies. We're sitting here talking for an hour and a half about a, a movie that has no story to it. You know, right, uh, I exactly. mean, but this movie somehow has, has lasted and, and maybe it is just the visuals and the, and the sound, yeah. but it's like, it's lasted the, the test of time. It, it yeah. just recently got restored to 4k and you know it's like i've bought every goddamn format of this movie as it comes out i had just bought the blu-ray and then they're like by the way by the way yeah uhd version i'm like i've got to pick it up fine Uh, yep yep and and you know it's i i was you know i i haven't played this one at at an actual theater i usually um you know will try to sneak in like a showing i I have keys Mm -hmm. to a movie theater so i can just sort of watch what i want but um Uh, this is not one I have seen, but seeing it on like on my friend's projector in 4k last night with the surround yeah. sound, it was just like that, that, nice. yeah, that's the kind of, that's the way to watch it because, um, I, I didn't even mind like the, the guy who came in late and started talking. Cause I'm like, I'm not missing, you know, yeah, you... It, this is not like a, a, a sit down <laughs> movie where you're going to miss a plot point. You, you're here to watch. It's like a long music video. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great way to put it. Like a long music video. It's very, it's very moody. Uh, it's, it's, it's full of of imagery without much much motivation for it and there's no i'm not i i don't want to say sound like i think that that's bad you know i think it's uh, you're right is think the movie has lasted the or withstood the test of time people still love it and people still love it fervently and i cannot believe that they love it because of the ironclad story (laughs) oh yeah so you know um i want to i was actually kind of frustrated last night um i looked for i so i watched this on something that was like a step above a bootleg dvd (laughs) so i was watching this in 480p um I have a friend, Bob Rose, who who claims uh, very seriously that his eyes will bleed if he ever watches 4DP. He refuses 
So, uh, uh, Bob Rose, I watched it in 480p. What do you think about that, buddy? <laughs> anyway, <laughs> yeah, I watched it in 480p on this this DVD that had no special features. I think the special feature was the trailer, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and it didn't even have subtitles. I tried to turn, turn subtitles on at one point because the mixing was pretty rough and the the dialogue was really low eventually i realized okay it's not important but the reason <laughs> I, i'm complaining about it now is that i almost wish so i read about the making of it and it was like they they barely recorded all the audio because right they knew they were going to dub in these english lines and now i really wish that they there was a version of this movie where i could listen to it in italian which i do not speak and then leave the english subtitles totally off so, so you're not even tempted to pay attention? Yeah, so that I wouldn't be like burdened with the story. <laughs> now, here, here is the ultimate way for you to watch it if you're looking for that. And um, I, I don't know that there, which members are still doing this. It might just be the mm -hmm. lead guy of Goblin. They're still somehow around and, and performing. And they, do they, do a they tour and they play the, the plus score live to this movie. Oh, that's amazing. And, yes. Uh, they were recently at my friend Adam Cedar in uh, Kansas City to screen lane armor. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that would be the way to see this. Um, yeah. put, put it up on the screen. Don't even, you know, have no, have it <laughs> muted and just have the band play to it. That would be like the ultimate oh, way. That sounds gorgeous. I, I think I would love it that way. I, I would love to see it that way. Yeah. Right before uh, shit hit the fan in 2020, um, mm -hmm. like that winter right before, we got to see Fabio Frizzi play uh, him in like a six piece band play the score to the beyond, which is another oh, wow. um, sort of trippy yeah. uh, Lucio Fulci, uh, crazy Italian horror movie. And that's the same exact way where that story makes even less sense than this. I <laughs> yeah. mean, if you really want to, I, I wouldn't even recommend this one to you because if you want to, it, it does, it's not even as beautiful as this. Oh, yeah. So it's really has less merit, but seeing him he, he he what's interesting is he cuts the movie up um his own way and cuts sort of the the long like dialogue scenes out so he can it's just basically like the kill scenes and the and it, it's a fast-paced version and he yeah. played his band plays like like a band and it's it's rad and it's like maybe this is the best way to watch italian horror <laughs> movies is just have the and this, and this guy's like you know he, he composed the score so he's no young buck yeah. Um, but it's just, you know, it, it's sort of we're living in a weird time where I saw John Carpenter twice, like a few years ago. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, we're seeing all these like goblins still around and Fabio Frizzi. And I'm like, what? what like how bizarre. Yeah, yeah. How bizarre. But how cool. Like, I'm glad yeah, to be yeah. alive at a time where I could. I, I went to this. It was this tiny bar in a small town, Illinois. And, and there's Fabio Frizzi. And, <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> he, he does. He barely speaks any English. And it's mm -hmm. like you go up to the table and they have uh, zombie barf bags. And he's like, you know, <laughs> he would have one. I have a, a bad accent. Sorry. But, uh, <laughs> you know, and then he's like, I rolled out this beautiful screen print from the beyond. And he's like, where did you get this? You know, and, and, and it's like, you know, the language barrier was there but he, he it's like mm -hmm. we both love the art but it's just like we're living in a cool time like yeah. you know where john carpenter it's like he's just composing music now for movies and that's what he enjoys and that's what's cool like but yeah. you know maybe like you said like you know if if uh goblin ever or the goblins ever come uh <laughs> around uh orlando you gotta go to see yeah uh, absolutely. Th them play because you know i think that it might be my favorite way to see it too it'd just be yeah. really cool because at least this one has a little bit of a narrative. Um, and there mm -hmm. are some, some of the Italian movies. I, I tend to lean towards the non giallos. Like this is not technically mm -hmm. a giallo. There's no, um, leather. 
I, I I don't know if you because there's it's there's no leather gloves there's no <laughs> okay you know there's yeah. there, some of the stuff that's uh, yeah the hallmarks yeah. yeah the hallmarks don't it doesn't it's not really a slasher it's more of a it's a witch movie I guess you could okay, say yeah. but um I tend to lean towards the ones that aren't and there are some good giallos but like if you've seen one you sort of seen them all and, <laughs> and that's what i love about the editor is that it's like it, it is a love letter to it but it po it, it points out the fun uh yeah. sort of stereotypes about it and i would recommend if you haven't seen it demons have okay you, uh that, not, no. that one i won't spoil anything but it's basic it's set in a movie theater um there's a samurai sword involved. It's it's a blast. It is it is so dumb, but it is a blast. It is the most uh, to me. It's the most fun Italian horror movie ever made. Yeah. Um. But I would recommend. I think you would really enjoy that one. Um. But overall, like you said, you gave it a little heart. But yeah. um, like overall, what did you like? Yeah. So I I. I, I I liked it. I did like it. It's just I, it's I I think I can see you know I my oh geez get it together Stephen. So my approach to movie watching has certainly changed over the last twenty or thirty years, and I know that young Stephen would not have um uh, would not have liked this movie at all because uh, young Stephen's first impulse a story right like if mm -hmm. if it doesn't have story if the story's not good then what's the point of the movie and he, he'd want to throw it out and i think i've become more forgiving in my in my older <laughs> in my later years now uh when you know the movie has something to offer above and beyond that right and i think this movie does have this movie has um it's really incredible at creating that mood you know, and th there's so many choices in here where the filmmakers like, oh, we're going to have you fucking red in the middle of this room and nobody else is red. We're just going to shine a red light <laughs> right on top of your face while you're lying in bed and and uh, not say anything about it. Yeah, it's, There's no you know? rhyme or reason or explanation. <laughs> yeah, it's just we're supposed to just accept that this uh, when, ballet school is lit like a. Yeah. You know, like crazy, like there's different color gels in every room. Right. When I went through, again, hard quotes, uh, hard air quotes here, film school, uh, I was taught so many prosaic things like, okay, when you're, when you're, when you're putting your lights up, make sure you know how they're motivated, make sure you know, you know, um, where the lights are coming from inside the universe of the movie, make sure that you have the three points covered, make sure that you don't throw the actor's face in shadow or something like that. And it was all very like, I, I realize now that the school that I went to was kind of training me to be, you know, uh, an industrials filmmaker, you know, <laughs> shooting like corporate videos and stuff right, like right. that. Uh, and this guy, Dario Argento and his, his cinematographer, whose name I don't remember, sorry. Uh, they, they just fucking went for it. And it, and you know, they come from a culture where that was the norm. And like, that's so fascinating to me because it's, it's so, you know, it's so kind of antithetical to what mainstream American filmmaking looks like. Yeah. You know? Sort of going against every rule, but like not in like yeah. a, a punk rock way. It's almost like, right. it, to me, it almost seemed like, you know, this, like Dario never quite hit on this level again. And at, and maybe mm -hmm. this was like, you know, 
a happy even a fluke or something. right exactly like almost like a happy yeah. accident like he, he his other i think his other um films actually have like better storytelling and aren't yeah. so visually over the top but it seems like this one was like i want to find a way to hang a woman and and throw her through stained glass <laughs> um what if yeah. we had a german shepherd rip a blind guy's throat out uh you know <laughs> yes, it's like yes. it's like we started with these uh the death scenes and then we we figured out how to make a movie around it um, and, and it's always sort of like, uh, is you talking about like how you've become more forgiving? I'm sort of the other way around where yeah. I was like in high school when I started getting deep in the movies, I was like, you know, give me all the visuals. Like I, I couldn't get enough, like, you know, feed me all this weird Italian stuff. And, and yeah. now I'm sort of like, as a, as someone who's seen more, I'm sort of more critical where I'm like watching it last night and I'm like, you know my friend max comes in the room and i'm like it doesn't matter that you're you came 20 minutes in um, <laughs> you're gonna you know, be fine yeah you're gonna be fine and and i'm and, and maybe you know I, it's my attitude because i've seen it so many times and i know what to mm. go into it but it's like now i i feel like i i need a little more to it and i'm a little more critical of it um because i was especially the first first time view for me like when i saw it i it was all about you know cranking up the uh surround sound and, and seeing the bright colors and it's like almost childlike in, in the way they lit this and, and yeah, the way yeah. they did things. And, you know, it's it's like, oh, cool, woman hanging from wire and a gla- glass went through her face, you know, and uh, that, that, those kind of kills. It was like, you know, rock and roll. This is awesome. When it really it's like not not great filmmaking. But, uh, yeah, yeah. you know, and even even the score, it, the sound design stuff, um, watching it last night, oh. at my friend's house, like he was like, they use every damn channel in the thing. It's like, you know, we could hear the stuff like like circling around the room and. The whispers, yeah. you know, of the singer from Goblin. He's, you know, Suspiria. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, they're doing all these chants, <laughs> yeah. you know, and it's like, you know, it's a little heavy and hokey now that I've I've seen it so many times and and seen it through someone's eyes for the first time. But at the, when yeah. I saw it, you know, I hadn't seen any of that stuff. Anything and, like that, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, it, think... it definitely feels like let's let's kill women with beautiful scenes and then we'll <laughs> right. somehow make a movie around it. <laughs> I think if. <sighs> If my friend had made this movie and he brought it to me as an early cut, right? Uh, and I was watching it and he asked for my feedback. They asked me for my feedback and I watched this. My advice to them would be to let go even more of the story. Like lean, yeah, lean more and lean just, even heavier into. Yeah, just just dive straight into. I watched a movie... Um, Oh God! What was it called? I watched a really kind of dreamy. Let me let me double check the um, uh, name of it before I mention it. Um, but I watched this movie at a festival a while back, or maybe not even at a festival. Anyway, I watched a movie called Horsehead. Jesus, okay, spit it out. Horsehead, <laughs> and and <laughs> it's kind of I think sort of the uh, an epitome of what we're talking about right now, where it's a movie that is great at evoking moods and it's full of imagery. It came out in 2014 uh, and it's full of imagery and it's, it's disconcerting and weird and beautiful to look at, but they really kind of embraced the absence of story right you know and and i think that that came out better uh i i know for me personally i think that that appeals to me a little better than suspiria does because suspiria still seems like it feels like it's trying to make a story yeah, yeah yeah like it's gotta it's like well we st- well we have to have a story of course i mean i just want to create a movie with lots of colors and and women falling through glass and stuff but we have to have a story and i want the filmmaker to say well, why? 
if that's what I want to make, I should just make that, you know, <laughs> let's just see that. And I feel like Horsehead is something closer to that, where it's like, it's just a bunch of imagery and weird things. And there's, you know, you can, if you, if you go into it, trying to pay attention to the story, you can follow a story and see what's happening. But morally, more it's about, you know, um, how, how it, the movie makes you feel while you're watching it. And I think that would be my advice to, you know, if I was on the, if I was in the edit bay back in 1976, talking to Dario through a translator, because I don't speak Italian, <laughs> that's what I would be saying to him, is just let it go. Let the story go. Don't worry about it. Don't try to le- tie things together, you know. Right. Just let it be whatever it is. Yeah, um, yeah almost like an experimental type. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Like, I guess, um, <laughs> like, I guess, uh, well, I don't know. I guess I was going to, I was going to mention, um, oh my God, that movie I, I made you watch, Eraserhead, oh, Eraser we yeah. didn't talk about. It. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to mention Eraserhead. Eraserhead, you know, I think is obeying a logic that exists in exactly one place and that's inside David Lynch's head. Right. Uh, and for whatever reason, I guess because it was technically a student film, for whatever reason, he didn't feel obligated to make sure that we were all following along with him, you know? Right, And yeah. And I think because of that, he wound up with a movie that 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 is just kind of infinitely rewatchable, you know? Um I don't know. I don't. I, I didn't ask how how you felt about it, having finally watched it after being berated by so many of your weird film friends. Why haven't you seen Eraserhead yet? You know. No, it's funny because like <laughs> years ago we were at like a family function on my my wife's side, and her older mm. older half brother was like, when I went, he's like, they're you're trying to find small talk to relate to somebody you don't really yeah, know. Yeah. And he's like, uh, you know, when I went to University of Iowa, I went to the Bijou, and it's all this really weird black and white movie and i said eraser head and he goes how did you know that uh, just for, and i go i don't I, I go you know it's sort of like the it's the one the weird <laughs> black and white one and he's like you know he's like what do you think of it and i'm like i haven't seen it he's like you haven't seen eraser head and i've seen it and i'm like yeah you got eraser head shamed by yeah, somebody yeah but he was like that's the weirdest thing i've ever seen and i'm like yeah. you know but it's just sort of funny like it has a reputation where it's like I knew mm-hmm. right. He said black and white and weird. I knew exactly what it was. Yep. And I hadn't even seen it, but um, <laughs> you know, it, it definitely um, evoked a feeling. And I, I knew going <laughs> in what it would would it, I sort of had a heads up. I'm like, you know, I, I can't imagine. I sort of envy him like going into a movie yeah. theater completely unaware. Yeah. yeah, completely unaware of who David Lynch was and what he was about to see. But um, you have to be in a certain mood. Like you said, it's, it's yeah. rewatchable, but not like something oh, yeah. you throw on a Thursday night when you're <laughs> hanging with friends. It's something that, no. you know, it, it, it makes you, it's a downer of a movie. I watched it oh, at yeah. like 2 AM knowing, you know, this is the time to watch a razor head, uh, you know, right before I go to sleep. And it's, it's mm-hmm. a weird, um, it's a nightmare of a movie. Yeah. It's, oh, yeah. uh, it gave me, you know, I, I have pretty bad anxiety and it definitely played oh, yeah. on that, which is not necessarily bad. That's what he's going for. Um, yeah, yeah. you know and it's it's definitely gave me it's the feels a, which is which is yeah. the reason you know that that's what it's supposed to do yeah i i would call it a very like tactile movie mm-hmm. like it just feels very icky when you're watching it you know just the the way um i don't know and and one of the things i love about it is uh uh and, ah, shit i'm sorry i know we weren't we weren't here to talk about it it's but absolutely one things, okay <laughs> one of the things i really love about it is um 
toward the end, there's a point where, you know, we've been following this guy the whole time, played by Jack Nance. And at some point in the movie, the movie just says, okay, well, he's not really important anymore. And and then he's sort of obliterated and turned into pulp for making erasers with, you know? <laughs> and uh, I, I kind of, I kind of love that so much. It reminds me of like the end of this book, uh, Gravity's Rainbow, where like, um, you've been following this one character for the whole book. I mean, it follows 500 characters. You know, it's notorious for all its different streaming um, storylines and stuff. But there, but there's generally there's this one character you've been following this whole time, and toward the end, he just gets kind of like obliterated, and 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 we follow, you know, like the pieces of him that are left over that are I don't know. There's no way to describe gravity's rainbow what am i even trying anyway <laughs> sorry it's just like a racer head <laughs> um but yeah you you reminded me of something uh, this is an old old soapbox of mine about how much i hate test audiences uh the whole like nature of test audiences because you said the the movie uh keyed into your anxiety and and gave you bad feelings and personally i'm a huge fan of movies that make me feel bad i love movies that make me feel bad uh, I think that a lot of times you'll hear like if you got a movie, if somebody makes a movie where there's a hero who makes a big sacrifice and dies at the end, right? Mm-hmm. And you show it to a test audience, and as the test audience is coming out of the theater, you say, "What do you think about that ending?" I think those people coming out in the test audience are going to say something along the lines of, "Oh, I hated it. I didn't want him to die." And the marketing people who are writing that down are going to run up to the producers and say, Oh, you got to change the ending. They didn't like it. Right. But the truth is what they're really saying is the character's death made me feel bad because I cared about the character. And that's what you want. That that was the job. That's the filmmaker's job. Yeah. Yeah. And he he did exactly the reaction he wanted and it's frustrating. (laughs) Yeah. It gets like lost in translation somewhere. Mm -hmm. And we've heard so many directors, you know, um, get sort of fucked over by that test audience. And, you know, that's, that's what's like really rad about David Lynch. I feel like, uh, and there's, there's Dune, you know, he talks about Mm -hmm. that and a few other movies, but it's like, he's always sort of been like the fuck you filmmaker. He does what he wants. And, uh, and, and it's like, especially now where he's just like, you know, I'm not even making movies now. I'm just going to do yeah, whatever the fuck I paint. want. Yeah. I'm going to do these weird weather reports every day on oh, YouTube yeah, yeah. cuz I am who I am and but I the, love the story of him on um uh Elephant Man when like Mel Brooks I I'm sure you already know this, but just like Mel Brooks produced the Elephant Man, but he didn't put his name on it because he didn't want to be he didn't want to have all his comedy history attached to the movie because it was such a serious, you know, dark movie. Right. But David Lynch was directing and at one point uh they showed a work print of the movie to a bunch of the studio heads who were behind it. And the studio heads immediately had a bunch of notes and were coming at David saying, we need to change this and this and this and this and this. And uh, Mel Brooks stepped in and he was like, listen guys, we showed you this as a courtesy. <laughs> we're not right. asking for your fucking notes. <laughs> I love it. That's awesome. That's so great. Like Mel Brooks is Mel Out Brooks people, and David Lynch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, most that's unlikely, so um, um, most unlikely duo. But that's uh, yeah. you know he was right though. You know it's like yeah. oh yeah. You know you don't you can't get too many people tampering with it and and mm-hmm. compromising it. You don't you don't hire him and then want to make changes. Like yeah, 
Exactly. It's crazy to think that, you know, uh, George Lucas wanted to hire him for a Star Wars movie. It's like, yeah, yeah. I, I would love oh. to see a David Lynch Star Wars movie, but, uh, oh, yeah. you know, I, but it would be, yeah, I, there's a, there's a, a podcast. He's more than a podcaster. He's a, a, a writer and comedian. And, um, there's this, anyway, there's this dude named Matt Gorley who had a oh, podcast. Yeah. Huge oh, fan. yeah. Matt. Okay. He, I, he said on one of his old podcasts, he said that uh, his conception of heaven is a, a video store where you can go and rent yes. all the movies that didn't get made. You know, like uh, like the version of The Matrix that starred Will Smith and yep. uh, Sean Connery, right? Right. <laughs> I would love to go to that store and see the, uh, the David Lynch... Uh, Star Wars movie, you know? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Be great. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm a big. I, I'm a hard, Mark Lee's great. Yeah, I love uh, Gorley and Russ, like my favorite one yeah. of my favorite podcasts. But um, yeah, I, I I think that's genius. Like the idea of this video store in heaven of you know mm -hmm. being able to see these movies that alternate versions of movies that weren't made. That yeah. that would just be yeah a lot of what ifs, you know. But his, ifs, his, yeah. his 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 whole entire if. I'm not going to bother the listeners with the story of it, but it, see, seek out the story of uh, David Lynch talking about um, George Lucas trying to convince him to make a Star Wars movie and, and the whole process of getting him to the ranch and stuff. It's it's so funny. I'll have to dig that up because I haven't heard that. Uh, well, if you haven't heard it, I'll do a, a bridge version. But basically, <laughs> like he, he reached out and was like, I want you to do a Star Wars movie. And David Lynch was like, no. no. Uh, and uh, George Lucas was like, well, how about we get out to the ranch and talk about it? And and you have to really listen to David Lynch's version because I'm going to butcher it. But he basically like sent a car out to pick him up and he took him out this ranch. And David's like, Lynch is just like, how long is this going to take? And he's like, <laughs> he's so grumpy. And it's like the, the opportunity of a lifetime for most people. And right, to right. him, it's just like, like a chore. Eh. Yeah. And, like, and, and he's like, you know, I knew going in, like, there's nothing he can do to convince me. But I don't know why I even entertained the idea of showing up. I, was, I, I don't know. It was more more of a curiosity. And he's like, you know, he took me to the kitchen and he like made me food and all this stuff. And it was like, <laughs> and it was like, you know, he basically was like, you know, we really would like to, you know, have you make us. And he's like, why? And he's like, can you tell me why you want me to make a Star Wars movie? That's a great question. And he's like, I just, he's like, I just don't, why would you want me to make like a movie from a franchise? Like I just, yeah. you know, and, and it was just sort of like, and then he was like, and I had a headache and I just was like, can I leave yet? And so it's like, <laughs> his attitude about it is like, wow. I just love it. He's like, just a grump, sort of a grumpy like dude, but you know, it's, he just, it's like, I mean, why, why are you wasting my time? You know, he has, his yeah. time's valuable too. And it's like, you're not going to convince him. So, yeah. you know, he's like, why did why did I do that? But interesting enough, his film school is here in Iowa. It's like an hour from me in Fairfield. Oh, wow. Um, and I, I think I've talked about this on the show before, but it's really interesting. His, um, because of my association with the, the film fest and, and we're, yeah. we're so close, um, his, like the, one of the professors at the school reached out once and was like, my students have been making this um, series over the whole semester and um they want to show it to a test audience we're back on the test audience thing mm -hmm. um and do you think you could gather people that a uh, uh, you know sort of eclectic group of like some people are film people some people are, are yeah. unsuspecting just gra grab like 30 <laughs> people fill, put them in the theater we'll watch this thing and they fill out questionnaires and they leave and so of course I'm like reaching out to my friends. I'm like, dude, like David Lynch students are, they made the saying like, come watch it. And uh, of course my friends were on board and yeah, they come yeah. and, and uh, they entered, you know, this professor introduced it and explained, you know, some of the VFX shots were missing. There'll be like frames mm -hmm. that are just missing and stuff like that. But you know, he's like, be honest when you fill it out and stuff. And we watched it and it was, it was pretty interesting, but it was clear that every 
one of those people was were heavily inspired by Twin Peaks because it felt oh, like yeah. a Twin Peaks series. But after we watched it and everybody has filled out the questionnaires, he didn't want anybody's like anybody's thoughts to be influenced by it. So he was like waited for all of us to see it. And then he was like, well, how it worked was like everybody got to like write and direct part of it. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they had to decide whose stuff got how it worked together as a story. And they got to decide. And he's like, it's it's a bunch of filmmakers egos of like, well, I want my stuff to stay in. Well, I want my stuff to stay in. And it's like, you know, you got it's sort of a lesson in like you got to learn when to say like, okay, Mm -hmm. cut some of my stuff because your stuff is fits in an area better or fits that. And it was it was a bit disjointed. But what really like keeps me up at night is I heard later through some like a third party that David Lynch's editor took all that footage and had no idea of where it was like what it was supposed to do what you know and it did not went in completely blind took all the footage and cut like a a feature length version of this and i heard Uh it was like really good because he'd had no influence on he didn't know who directed what who wrote what he just went in and just made like under you know of course david just probably paid him and put Mm -hmm. this thing together and i'm like i would love to see that because you know, of course, yeah, it was yeah. like a lesson. And one of the students actually like took the stuff he shot and made a short film out of it. And it played at my festival one year. And it was like, this is better than the series, you know, but <laughs> I would have loved to seen the, the full feature version. But, you know, we've gone yeah. down this whole like weird David Lynch. <laughs> I, I will say Eraserhead, like when his little deformed baby thing starts getting sick, it's just like that was like the, a, like my a pit in my stomach. I'm like, oh, the yeah. dread. And, and that's what he was going for you know and right 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 he should be applauded for you know and that's that's sort of what he's known for and uh that movie did exactly what it was supposed to do and set a mood and 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 it does relate to suspiria because like you said he leans into that he knows what he's making Mm -hmm. and it might you know i've heard so many different interpretations of what that movie really means and that's what i love about it is that you know in that that picture that's going around the meme of him you know can you he says this is most you know spiritual <laughs> film spiritual and can you but he elaborate wanted, on that no and that's no. sort of the, the <laughs> that that to me is like the summary of david lynch in general like that is yeah. that nothing's more david lynch than that like no you know <laughs> you <laughs> figure it out <laughs> you know and and i love that about him but you know that you know it, it does sort of come back to it because like you said you know and i think dario has made much more linear movies but even mm-hmm. his most like you know his most um normal i guess mainstream movies are still sort of batshit crazy in a way yeah. but um not but then again not quite batshit crazy enough to be like this is just a fun movie but yeah, uh, yeah. but you know i i like suspiria um i have actually some trivia that i'll read but let's let's hear yeah, from sure. the prescribed films podcast network and then we'll be right back You're listening to the Prescribed Films Podcast Network, home to hundreds of hours of free podcast entertainment. The shows on this network all have a common goal, providing you with the best discussions about movies and other forms of entertainment media. The PFPN hopes to fill your ear holes with audio joy. Visit our website with links to all the other amazing shows at www.thepfpn.com. Thanks for listening. So not quite trivia, but this was made remade by Luca Guadagnino. Yeah, who oh, did yeah. Call Me by Your Name? Um, <laughs> have you seen that version? I have not, but I've actually like 
I was surprised, uh, you know, I have lots and lots of horror friends in my social networks and a lot of them feel very strongly about, um, the original movie here. And I was really surprised by how many of them were happy with the remake. Yeah. I really like, like it. Seems, it. Yeah. Yeah. It seems to have, uh, um, landed really well or at least been respectful or whatever so i'm interested in watching it now that i've seen the original yeah argento talked a little bit about it and he was like you know if you make it too close to my movie what's the point because you're sort of just copying it but if you Mm -hmm. make it like on the other end of the spectrum if you make it different enough why are you calling it suspiria um i think this does a good balance of it almost takes that crazy and, and I won't spoil anything, but it almost takes that like sort of very loose story in the original and actually makes it like a credible story about someone. Oh, yeah. And, and um, it's done in like monotone color. So it's not the okay. color gels and it, it doesn't. But it, on paper, it makes it makes it sound like he made like, a, you know, a bizarro version of it. It's like <laughs> it has story and it's not, you know, bright, but um, <laughs> it actually is really it has like a really good story and really great performances. Um, I, I do recommend checking it out. Yeah. Um, uh, so I will get back on some of the tri- trivia director Dario Argento's original idea was that the ballet school would accommodate young girls no older than 12 years. However, the studio and producer um, Salvorte Argento, his father, denied his request because a film this violent involving children would almost certainly be banned. So he raised the age limit of the girls to 20 years but did not rewrite the script, hence the (laughs) naivety of the characters and the occasionally childlike dialogue. Um, he <laughs> yeah. also put all the doorknobs at about the same height as the actress's head so they would have to raise their arms in order to open the doors just like children <laughs> yeah i saw the doorknobs like at eye level yeah uh, why is what <laughs> why is yeah you, you didn't I, you didn't get that from it like you didn't watch that and think oh, oh these you oh, know that's these, so childlike yeah <laughs> You probably just thought, okay, the same person who made that weird-ass wallpaper and put a, right, a red right. light in the bedroom, like, <laughs> didn't know how doorknobs work either, so. Um, the woman playing Helena Marcos was not credited. According to Jessica Harper, she was a 90-year-old former prostitute who direct, director Dario Argento found on the streets of Rome, Italy. Nice. One of those uh, old fitting, urban yeah. legends or something, probably, but... Yeah, yeah, but it sounds good, right? Yeah, it like sounds it's, cool. It's, <laughs> it's uh, more fun just to believe that than to go digging. Like, what would be the value? Right. Uh, director Dario Argento had cinematographer Luciano Tavoli watch Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs to have him model the color scheme of that film. <laughs> and and since I read that, that one, of course, watch that. Yeah, I go- Snow White again. Yeah. yeah, I googled it. You know, just saw some stills and some clips. I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I get it. Uh, de- not quite as bright, but definitely the color mm-hmm. schemes are there. Um, Dar- director Dario Argento composed the creepy music with the band Goblin and played it at full blast on set to unnerve the actors and elicit <sighs> a truly sc- scared performance. Okay, this is something that kind of drives me nuts. Uh, as a, I, I, I was saying earlier how I think auteur theory is just a load of horseshit. I also read about how, like, you know, William Friedkin kept firing off a gun at random. Oh yeah, on to the keep people on edge. Yeah, yeah, stop doing that. It's not cool. Just, like, yeah. <laughs> you know, if you can't get your actors to act Recast by, them. like, yeah. directing them, maybe maybe stop. <laughs> maybe this isn't your thing. Yeah, let's torture them. I mean, um, Kubrick, you know, on The Shining yeah. was notorious. Like, he, he <sighs> yeah. fucking ruined her. Like, you know. It's... Yeah, I was, a, I was a big Kubrick apologist for a really long time uh, until I found out, like, you know, because you tell yourself, so I, I, I remain a big fan of several of his movies. Um, and uh, 
when you're a Kubrick stan early uh, as a young man, you know, you tell yourself, okay, well, whatever he did to Shelley Duvall, he was doing to try to get that performance. And her performance was great. So isn't it good how it all worked out? And I kind of like subconsciously held, I didn't think about it ra- um, uh, actively, but I sort of subconsciously held on to that rationalization for a long time until recently, as in like in the last year and a half, I listened to a podcast by a woman named Jamie Loftus. She did a podcast on the book Lolita, and um, she did an episode on the uh, the Kubrick adaptation in the movie and pointed out something that I should have not been surprised about at all, which is that, sure, Kubrick says that he, he treated her that way, uh, treated um, Shelley Duvall that way, uh, to get the best performance out of her. And maybe you can believe that, except that he never ever put any of his male actors through anything like that. Right. And once you find that out, it's like, okay, all right. I was a shithead before. I'm sorry. Um, That's just, it's just unforgivable. But like, you don't have to do that to people. Yeah. It's, I mean, I, you know, I, I, the same way, like, I, you know, I, mm-hmm. I grew up, of course, like him and Tarantino, like, oh, the cool, yeah. you know, when you're, when you get in a film, like big names and, and Tarantino sort of on the same plane where some of the stuff he's done and said is very questionable mm-hmm. and, you know, it's hard to stand by. And I, you know, it's, it's terrible. And it, it, I think it was like last year sometime Shelley Duvall had that like really nice write up. Like it's oh, a yeah. reporter found her and it was just like, in a, she's in her truck. She's like giving an interview from the driver's seat of her truck. Yeah. yeah. And it's just like, you know, I, I'm just glad to hear that she's, you know, she sort of got yeah. out of that life and stuff, but it's like, she was a fucking person and you know, it's, yeah. it's a movie dude. Like For at real. the end yeah, of the day, it's, it's still, movie. it's a movie. Like yeah. you don't, you do not need to fucking crush someone to, to get a performance out of them. You know, that's right. uh, yeah. It's, it's heartbreaking. Of course, like you said, when I was younger, I was like, that's sort of cool, you know, like yeah. uh, this art to like, you know, uh, he's such an artist, but it's like, uh, it's yeah. where's the line, you know, <laughs> where's the line? Yeah. Yeah. Why, you know, there are other, you know, there are other directors who've had, incredible performances out of actors they didn't torture so like what are we doing here you know yeah uh so according to jessica (laughs) harper since the film was going to be dubbed after principal photography sound was rarely recorded during shooting uh she remarked that it was strange to her to be in the middle of shooting a scene and hearing the background sound of a stagehand hammering away on another (laughs) set in the studio (laughs) okay so just to go exact opposite from what i just said a minute ago (laughs) you gotta give some courtesy to your actors like come on at least not have construction going on during the take please yeah you either have blaring goblin music in your face (laughs) or some guy hammering in another room it's like no wonder they're on fucking edge uh I oh speaking of the sound I just want to say that I laughed out loud when I heard uh, Udo Kier's oh my god yeah so horrible dubbed voice like what is (laughs) that that? after you know Udo it's like oh that that is not him he's a he's a he's a he's an icon you know to hear him be replaced with somebody oh god it was ridiculous yeah well actually that the next thing is a little bit about that um Rudolf Schundler, the West German actor who played the role of Professor Milius, could not speak mm-hmm. any English or Italian. So in the scene where he talks with Jessica Harper about witches, she could not understand him as he was speaking in German. 
Harper later quoted that she tried very hard to keep a straight face as to not flub her lines. And that also he would lightly tap on one of her legs with his foot just out of frame to cue her to speak when he was done finishing his own lines. That's hilarious. <laughs> so it, it's sort of like finding out this stuff is like, it's a miracle that it even has the story. Right. It does. And it should, it's like the writing's on the wall. Like you, you really need to just, why are we doing this? Why? You know, yeah. we're, just, we're, just we're, go. we're going to great lengths just to sort of make a story. I don't know. <laughs> uh, and, and this so is a little hilarious. bit about that trilogy. The film was the first part, um, of a trilogy with Inferno in 1980 and Mother of Tears in 2007. Um, it's called the, the Three Mothers. Um, I didn't realize how far apart they were. You mentioned uh, Mother of Tears earlier. Jeez. Yeah. That's 27 years apart from the second installment. And wow. the uh, the drop in quality is... Yeah. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. Yeah. I, uh, just a quick side note. Um, the director alex cox who made repo man mm-hmm. i hope it's alex cox because that's what i said now uh you can adr me afterward if i got it wrong <laughs> i'll do it uh, like udo kier style and do it really <laughs> yeah so uh he made repo man which is this uh um super punk kind of movie in the early 80s and then like 30 years later he made repo girl which i have not seen so i didn't even know uh, that existed yeah i just want to put it out there i have not seen that but it's kind of like the exact opposite ethos like it's all hardcore conservative and stuff and like i'm just sort of saddened to know that it's out there you know and i don't think i can bring myself to watch it just to be bummed out by like what happened that's that's weird i got it is bizarre i can't think of another example where someone made a movie and then did one like just so opposite yeah Yeah. (laughs) like when i was waiting it's weird (laughs) <laughs> and then to make it like it's not just he made another movie and it was antithetical to what he used to believe in it was that he made another movie antithetical to what he used to believe in and also made it the sequel right. to his iconic yeah. movie you like know? you're clearly trying to say something yeah right exactly yeah yeah uh, director Dario Argento cast Jessica Harper as a lead after seeing Harper's debut performance in Brian De Palma's Phantom of the Paradise. Uh, she oh, nice. she turned down a part in Annie Hall to star in this film. So oh, probably for the best. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it was. Yeah. I mean, it's like you got the music blared at you and you heard the hammers and, you know, whatever. But at least you didn't work with Woody Allen. So. Dodge the Woody Allen bullet. <laughs> Uh, after completing the specialized color work for on this production, Technicolor Rome reportedly dismantled their remaining three strip equipment. I don't know if that was, if there's any um, correlation. They're like, this is too yeah. much color. Like it had been planned for three years or something, but no, it came out right after that. Like, All right. We're, color is now over. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing will ever top this. We might Nothing, as well take yeah. it apart. The, and the, then I just imagine them like flagellating themselves with whips while they do it, you know, <laughs> like melting the equipment in a big yeah. like fire tearful goodbyes <laughs> yeah uh the film's finale was inspired by a dream that co-writer daria nicolaudi once had in the dream she said that she encountered an invisible witch and most bizarrely there was a panther in the room and that <laughs> and with her and the panther in the room with her that suddenly exploded the dream was written into the film, but it's a porcelain panther that explodes. So they're oh, like, "Cop out." Yeah, we can't afford <laughs> we can't afford a real exploding panther. So uh, we'll, we'll just throw the porcelain one in, and, and how about we add a German Shepherd? <laughs> sure, <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, Stefanifa Cassiani was had a difficult time shooting her death scene through the though the barbed wire that she falls oh, into yeah. was fake. The coils of wire still got wrapped around her tightly and Ugh. pinched her skin painfully. So. 
I I don't know the situation. Like I don't know if Dario, you know, made her do that. If that was yeah, like yeah, a thing, or just, it was just like an shit happens. Yeah, but yeah. um, you know, it's, I think she ended up okay. Just she got pinched, but it's still yeah. better than real barbed wire or something. But <laughs> for real, uh, I was actually sort of surprised there wasn't like like some of the movies. I just I did Ghostbusters a few episodes, and it was like overwhelming mm-hmm. all the, the trivia. And for this movie's lore, I'm surprised they didn't have more on it. Um, they, I mean, I've always sort of. Like when I started getting into Italian movies, I was really confused by the the dubbing because I'm like one at uh, one actor will look like they are speaking English and it matches yeah. up, and then but even if they are, it looks like the mouth sort of matches up but not quite, and it's like right. to find out that they just don't record dialogue and it's then everything's ADR. It's like why the fuck is that a thing? <laughs> I just it's yeah, I don't get a it. different breed of people, man. And that when I why would you have yeah. one actor literally speaking German, his lines in German? What? <laughs> How does that work? How what kind of acting? Like I don't even know what directing is at that point. Right. Yeah. Why even have him read the lines? Like he could just make noises or move his mouth. Why even (laughs) do anything? You know? Why even? Why even cast someone who doesn't? I don't know. I mean, I get. You don't have to have lines. You don't have to have just. Right. Hey, just sit here and and tell this woman about your day for a while. You know. Yeah. Very strange. And and that's not just in this movie. That's in you know majority of his movies. Mm -hmm. A majority of these Italian horror movies. Uh, yeah. I remember, like, you know, I was like, "Do I have like the bad English dub?" And, and right, right. It's it's, and I, I know my my wife said I didn't watch movies with me, and she's like, "What's up with this?" I'm like, "I have to explain it." I'm like, "They do all the later." It's like, "Why?" I don't know. You know? <laughs> yeah, nobody knows. <laughs> Ask Dario Argento. You know, I don't know. He, <laughs> I was just he, having a a conversation on a message thread with some friends of mine today about what a pain in the ass it is working with sound. So maybe that's it. Like every time I make a movie and then I edit it and I have to try to edit the sound, I tell myself the whole time, you know what? It's just silent movies from now on. That's it. Just silent movies. So maybe that's what they're like. It just sucks editing sound. <laughs> they're like, yeah, we got too many hammers and shit. So uh, yep. <laughs> we, we can't, we can't ask the, the set next door to quiet down. So we'll just do it in post. You know, that's <laughs> we'll do it in post. <laughs> It literally all of the dialogue in post, uh, and, and get get some weird small child to do uh, Udo Kier's voice, please. Oh, and and that was one other thing. That little boy that's like the, the yeah, grandson the creepy, or something. Yeah. yeah, and of course the the butler that has the fake teeth. I mean, mm-hmm. there's so many yeah, things, they, so many threads, so many that they don't like, ever tie up. Yeah, right, right. They don't go anywhere. Like I, one of the, th- I, yeah, I, I know. I I sort of talk myself into not talking about the story on this conversation <laughs> but but one of the things like there you speaking of um jessica harper's character um Susie, right she gets there and the the woman running the show is like oh uh you're gonna have to stay with somebody else because your room's not ready whatever and then the next day oh hey your room's ready you should come stay with us and she's like no i'm gonna go keep staying with this other woman and then obviously like very clearly she is made she is sickened that day by somebody right like the woman in the hall with like a reflection of some kind of reflection right that makes her sick and then oh now you have to stay and we went ahead and brought all your things over and stuff and then there's one night where we uh, we've been drugging you every night to put you to sleep Uh and uh spoilers all over the place here and then there's one night where people come into your bedroom while you've been drugged and put to sleep and the whole time all of these little breadcrumbs lead me to believe okay well they want her here for some reason she's got to be part of something maybe they have some ritual or something that they need her for right and then right before the big finale scene the last 12 minutes of the movie that the trailer talked about you get the scene of the woman who runs the show saying 
oh, this this American woman, she's so annoying. We got to get rid of her. <laughs> yeah, it's like you're the Wait, one that what? kept her here. <laughs> you fucking kept her. Kept, kept what is <laughs> happening? <laughs> and I think there's like two scenes in the whole movie where you see people dancing. <laughs> right. It's yeah. So great. Yeah. It, they're working against their own best interests. Like it, you think you have it figured out, yeah. and it's not like a smart twist. It's just sort of mm-hmm. like someone something was either missing or unresolved, or it just yeah. <laughs> I there's a sorry there's the, my my partner and I, we've been rewatching Bob's Burgers lately because it's just it's just it's just comforting it right? is it's yeah like, and we watched uh that episode where Linda Bob's wife if you don't watch Bob's Burgers just skip the next 20 seconds of me talking but uh, <laughs> she puts on a murder mystery inside the restaurant and at the beginning of it she's like can you figure out who the murderer is here's a hint it's not me and at the end she's like well you're all wrong it was me and people were like, well, you explicitly told us it wasn't you. And she says, well, that's what make it, makes it a twist. Like, no. What? Yeah. No. Exactly like this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, one, oh, one, one time we went and we're not going down this rabbit hole, but um, uh, we, we went and saw uh, the comedians of Bob's Burgers and there was like four, oh, yeah. four of them and they did stand up. And then um, we oh, went, wow. we went that's, to, that's cool. yeah. And then we like left the show and we we're walking back to our car and we stopped at a little diner and it was like, mm-hmm. you know, it was like 11 at night and we're eating it. And my wife was like, don't turn around, but like they're all sitting in the booth behind us. And I'm like, <laughs> Oh, and, and so they were eating. So we left them alone, but yeah, I was like, yeah. you know, it was like, it was sort of funny seeing them eat at like a burger, <laughs> a burger shop. Yeah, like eating burgers at a diner. And it's like, oh, this is sort of like on brand, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's like you almost want people to take pictures, right? But uh, <laughs> no, that's that's funny to think that parallel there where it's like, you, you if you told us, you know, one thing, you can't just like... Yeah. Yeah. just go back and be like oh we got you yeah yeah i mean it's it's <sighs> a lot of this movie is filler but um it's like that uh the scene in high tension Ugh, oh yeah movie. yeah the ending, oh boy yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh you remember when we showed you an explicit killer who couldn't possibly have been around anywhere uh that was a lie it turns out the killer's been this chick the whole time yeah if surprise yeah twist it's, <laughs> it's not a twist if it's just not possible but um <laughs> <Right>. yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's a whole different episode. But yeah, uh, <laughs> I'm sure. I, I've kept you long enough. Remind people where to find all things sick and wrong, so they can yes. to get uh, signed up and and get ready for the debacle. Yes, please come to sickandwrongfilm.com, and uh, th- that's the hub of everything. You can find links to our social media there. You can find the links to the rules and the sign up for the debacle there. You can find the archive of all our old movies there. Uh, everything's there on sickandwrongfilm.com. I was bragging earlier about all the time I spent working on the site and I'm sitting here looking at it right now and it turns out one of my plugins just updated and now my fonts are all screwed up. So try not to judge me on the fonts right now, but sick and wrong film. Oh, you can also buy t-shirts from us. Yeah, you have some of the best merch. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Uh, So that's where all everything is the debacle uh that's where all the details to um the venue and everything for the festival this year is going to be that's where everything is so please find us there and i assume uh, the uh hold up is available wherever podcasts if you're listening to this on a format it's probably available on the same one <laughs> yes yes it's hosted on podbean but it's on itunes it's on um uh pod kicker it's on stitcher it's on whatever wherever you get your podcast it's on spotify because that's where it's i listen spotify. to it yeah hell yeah rock on so yeah please listen to old episodes of the hold up while i figure out the festival and then get back to the hold up <laughs> no i i forgot to mention earlier and uh, i we're not we're we're at the end so i don't want to hold <laughs> it too long but um 
I tell people about this all the time when they bring up like movies that they remember being really good as in mm-hmm. their childhood. I probably five or so years ago rewatched Three Ninjas, which was a big part of my childhood. Yeah. And I'm like, man, like I if I'm ever on your show, please don't make me watch something like that because, <laughs> oh, my God, it broke my heart. I'm like, this sucks so bad. This yeah. is this is garbage. Why did I ever like this? And anytime my friends post about it and they're like, man, remember this? I'm like, D- whatever you do, do not g- keep those memories that you have it and do not go rewatch it because yeah, yeah. it is truly bad. It is. Tr- it's not even like Mac and me bad where it's fun. Like yeah. it is just not it's just hard. To watch. It, yeah, it's hard to watch and it sucks. It's not a good time, man. It is not a good time. Well, thanks yep. so much for being on the show. It's been yeah, great talking to me. you. I finally got you to watch the spirit. Is there anything uh, like any other movies that you haven't seen that you want to get off your chest while I have you here? Cause we, um, we, 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 like I said, we celebrate it. Um, and I, I've had some guests that had this like deep hidden in their, in their souls that they hadn't. <laughs> seen. I, I always tell people I still, I'm 50 something episodes in. I have not seen Lord of the, the single Lord of the Rings movie. I had not seen a James Bond movie until we did this <laughs> podcast. There's a, there's a lot of movies I haven't seen and, and I'm okay with it. I haven't seen a single fast and furious movie. I, I think I only watched one because my older brother, but I haven't seen yeah, many of those. And I, I don't saw know, one. I, I don't know I, if I don't that's know a if confession, that man. Yeah, that's not one that like people like tell me I need to watch for sure. <laughs> um, I Lord of Illusions is no, not Prince, not Lord of Illusions. Um, Prince, Prince of Darkness? Prince of Darkness, John that's Carpenter. One. Yeah, John Carpenter. So I liked. I I confessed to a friend of mine recently for uh, of liking that movie Psycho Goreman because I thought it was just a fun fluff. Oh yeah, movie. And he's like, well, you wouldn't like it if you'd seen uh, Prince of Darkness. And I'm like, oh, okay. Well, I guess I need to watch Prince of Darkness. What? Or maybe I shouldn't. I know, in my head, I'm like, I have no idea where that comment comes from. <laughs> I, I know I'm really curious. I'm like, what did I miss the connection there? Um, well, I'll have to do myself a double feature one night. Yeah, I'm, I, I would love to, when you do that to see if you find any kind of connection. Uh, <laughs> right, right. I, I like both, but, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> Uh, you know, late late Carpenter is a whole different subject. You know, yeah, late yeah. late Argento, late Carpenter. Some of these, you know, these these old school filmmakers, they just you know don't necessarily stand the test of time. But we still love them yeah. for their work. And uh, you know, who knows? You know, I, I'm glad Carpenter has found a use for himself doing these scores and yes, live yeah. music and stuff. It, it's cool to see him have a resurgence. But thanks again so much for being on. Um, I'll have to have you back on the podcast when you're less busy, which seems to be never because I, I know exactly the life you live because um, I'm, I'm living it too. But I really do appreciate your time. I know that, uh, you know, it's it's far and few in between. It's it's tough to, to find an hour or two in our case to talk. So, again, thanks so much for being on the show. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. I, uh, I, I really enjoyed this. And and I'm glad I finally watched Suspiria. I do not regret it, unlike some of the movies I've watched for the holdup. <laughs> All right, we'll talk to you later. All right, thanks a lot, Ted. Thanks again for listening to today's episode. If you enjoy the show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. A special thank you goes out to my friend Scott Schreiner for our intro and outro music. We'll see you next week on First Time Podcast.